Welcome to episode 219 of the Overlook Hour. I am your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, is a man who's got his space heater on because it's a little chilly in Oakland, California. He goes by the name of Randy Michael Stapp. That's me. What's up? I, yeah, it's a little chilly over here, but I hear it's raining where you are, so I'm kind of jealous. It's no, is no rain over there on the uh, East Bay? Not yet, no. It's clear, but maybe it'll trickle over here soon. Randy, I just got word from my jefe, that's uh, Spanish for boss, uh-huh. that uh, not this week, but the next week, I will be uh, having to do a training in some hotel uh, California room uh, in the East Bay for a week. Oh, really? Yeah, so I'm going to have to go. I don't know where it could be. During, Hayward. during a pandemic? Yes. Because apparently the office um, does not meet uh, Corona protocol, huh. so they have to go to a uh, secondary location. Sick. Why don't they just do it online, like everything else? Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. It's a thing. So, I mean, if it gets me from not being yelled at all day, I'll take it. But also joining us on every single one of these intros is Oksana. Valerian Abundaba Osachi. Hello. Oksana, how are you today? I'm okay. Um, I had to bring in my my buddy, the skeleton, who's been living on our deck for the past uh, couple of weeks. You brought him in? I brought him in because it started raining and his shirt is all faded and I felt bad for him. Are you going to take him back out there? I might. He, also, he was getting knocked over by all, like the, the insane wind. The wind has been quite insane today. Um, I went to uh, Duncan this morning notice i did not say dunkin donuts because it's not called dunkin donuts anymore it's just dunkin oh i thought it was a different place no <laughs> you didn't say donuts boston's mad Dun- about that <laughs> never been they gotta keep they gotta keep the donuts dude i are they do they not like it i don't know i, I think mitch said he thinks it's whack but that's about it it is weird i like dunkin donuts just say dunkin donuts why why are you dropping dunk just dunkin <laughs> like Does it's like call it dk why would they call it DK? That's, never mind. Those aren't the right letters. <laughs> nope. Donkey Kong, maybe? You know what? That is a perfect <laughs> example of why both you and Russell are a perfect match. <laughs> the dyslexic couple. <laughs> With a horror empire. Oh, boy. DK? I don't know what I was thinking of. <laughs> Were you thinking of a BMX brand from the early 2000s? Because that's DK. I do often think about those. I did, want, no. a, I did want a DK bike. <laughs> DK Randy, of course, stands for Damn Kids. <laughs> Never heard of them. All right. Joining us on the show this week is writer, director, Jonathan Quartus. Now, Jonathan, uh, again, we, we've explained this uh, before the interview happens of the uh, string of events that brought Jonathan uh, on our radar and actually on this show. It's very interesting. Um for a brief moment, there was there was reason for this to be a uh, a little bit of tension between Jonathan and us, but that of course was eased. Why? Because we're nice people. That's why, and because Madeline ruined everything. That's all you need to know. <laughs> is that any sort of tension that was caused? It's because of Madeline. Do we throw her under the bus in this episode? Absolutely, we do. And we will continue to do so. Randy, Michael, your thoughts? Uh, how do you blame someone that's dead? Exactly. 
I think it happens all the time. Because no one gets hurt. That's why we can't blame Alex Trebek for anything. <laughs> we also pay respects to him. But, uh, Jonathan uh, wrote directed a film called uh, My Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To. Uh, this is a film that we saw as a part of the Nightstream Film Festival. I believe it was the world premiere. And um, yeah, Jonathan's a great guy out of Miami, Randy. Out of Miami, Florida. Nice. Uh, been there his whole life. So and um, so he tells us of you know the, the situations of how he was able to make a, a vampire movie in Salt Lake City, and uh, it's, it's great talk, man. He he's awesome and um, a very good interview. So stay tuned for that. Uh, but before we get to all of those things. Oksana Valeria Osachi is going to tell us about things that are coming to us this weekend. Is it in the theater? Possibly. Is it VOD? Maybe. Is it in our mind? Is it a chip implanted into us, sponsored by Google? Maybe. We don't know. Are we getting there? Possibly. The government's going in a new direction. Is this good? Maybe. Is it bad? Maybe. No one knows. Why? Because that's how the simulation works. Everything is fake. We're in a video game. Nothing is real, so we might as well have fun. If you're not drinking right now, you should. Because the world is ending, then just have fun with it. Oksana, tell us about these stupid movies we can watch. I got some like weird Alex Jones vibes. <laughs> that tone. This lecture. Blah, blah, blah. I have the documents. <laughs> I'm also surprised that chip wasn't sponsored by Tesla. Tesla, how do you say it? What the <laughs> hell did you just say? Tesla? Isn't that how... You don't throw a Z in there. Isn't that how he pronounces it? Tesla. I. That's what I thought, but I you heard... S- you say it like a grandmother. I don't pronounce it that way, but... Tesla, I... you got one of them Teslas? You spelled Salsia in my Tesla. <laughs> my my supervisor told me she, had, she got an Uber where the driver was driving a tesla <laughs> she's like what is wrong with you oh boy <laughs> all right so what we got i'm a little bit a little bit disappointed since this friday is friday the 13th oh is it so much it is but you you'd almost never tell except for we do have uh we have several things coming out one of them is in the theaters and that is freaky <laughs> friday <laughs> basically yes um shout out a myth <laughs> dagger causes a notorious serial killer to switch bodies with a 17 year old girl oh huh. yes this is the bloom house with vincent vaughn oh yeah i saw a trailer for that yesterday i think so, i'm out hold on it's co-written and directed by christopher lanson who also wrote paranormal activity two three four oh and the marked ones which he also directed that's the best one Okay, but four is the worst piece of garbage on the planet. It's true, yes, but the marked ones makes up for it. Randy, did you ever go back? Uh, no, I never did. You, did you just watch the first one? I, I watched the first one, and then I thought about doing the rest, but two, you had to pay for. Three was uh, streaming, so I was like, eh, I'm good. They always do that. Also, yeah, let me let me go ahead and clear this up. Uh, months ago now I was in this theme of I was like oh Clark's gonna watch all these horror movie franchises yeah. and talk about it on the show it sort of have fallen off um, as I said we're in a simulation I I don't make up my own mind okay so as soon as the creator of the simulation allows me to watch the entire Child's Play series and the entire Phantasm series you will be the first to know I've watched the first two Phantasms 
So we'll, I can finish those out. I've got three more. And then how many child's plays are there? 27? I think there's... Eight? Six? Seven or eight. If you're counting the one that came out last this year, last year, when was that? <laughs> uh, probably, but I, I like that one a lot, and I'll watch it again. I but. like that one. All right. So, yes, I have not forgotten about that. You will get pay dirt on that, uh, pay dirt on that at some point, uh, but probably not in this fiscal quarter. I'm okay. pretty sure we own the child's play movie. You do. Yeah. I have no excuse. Nope. <laughs> at least Phantasm. We only have two of those. Um, I also forgot what I was going to say. But, um, so, uh, Christopher Land- Landon also worked on Happy Death Day 1 and and 2, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, that will be out in theaters Friday the 13th. Also out in limited theaters on Friday the 13th is a movie we had two guests from on episode 209. It's Survival Skills. <sighs> So that's going to be in limited theaters on the 13th. It's going to be streaming on December 4th. And that is, uh, so we spoke, you guys, you guys spoke to uh, Quinn Armstrong and Vayu O'Donnell on episode 209. So if you want to hear way, way more about that movie, go back and listen to that. It's, Hell yeah. it's great. It's a lost police training video from the 80s as a movie. Stacy Keach. Stacy Keach is so good. <laughs> um... And then also out on this Friday the 13th is a movie called It Cuts Deep in limited theaters. I, I don't think any of those are around us. Um, I tried to look it up, but I couldn't find them. This is a movie about a couple while on Christmas vacation. A young man with commitment issues desperately tries to hold on to his relationship when a rival enters the picture. Ooh. Um, written and directed and co-produced by Nicholas Santos, who was the producer of Uncle Peckerhead. Hell yeah. Good things about from Randy. Great movie. <laughs> yeah, so that will also be out on Friday the 13th. Now, Oksana, when you're doing your research, you're out there on the different, you're surfing the web. Have you caught a wave of information notifying us about the opening of maybe some local theaters independent theaters here in san francisco have you heard about the balboa have you heard about the roxy have you even heard about a little bit of a chain called the alamo draft house so the alamo draft house now bombards me with emails about their virtual screening party bullshit i haven't watched any of them i'm a little annoyed i'm about to unsubscribe (laughs) oh boy i mean look i they hit me up too i haven't heard um anything about them reopening but the Balboa I tried to see if they had any more of their drive-in um their partnership with the Roxy Theater and a restaurant I'm blanking on the name of they were doing the drive-in um and a dinner and a movie things the parklet no that the parklet is a mini theater they built outside of the Balboa that's still there I'm sure they're not going to do anything today because it's probably raining it's raining man hallelujah <laughs> or at least you know drizzly and super windy in san francisco but they do the parklet um friday evenings saturdays and sundays like afternoon they have their popcorn pop-up um they have not released any new dates for their november drive-ins but um i'm looking <laughs> and i haven't heard anything about the roxy have you randy no i haven't no one knows a thing. They are still doing their virtual, both the Roxy and um, 
the Belleville are doing their virtual screenings, but uh, none of those were were horror. So, <laughs> for any questions, queries, concerns, or comments, please direct those at podcast at overlooktheater.com. Stitcher, iTunes, the other one, Google Play. That's it. Oh boy. <laughs> Find, like us, comment, tell a friend, tell an enemy. It's not any of my business what you do on your own personal time. The Overlook Hours available on Facebook as The Overlook Hour. The Overlook Hours available on Twitter as The Overlook Hour. The Overlook Hours available on Instagram as The Overlook Theater. Find us, like us, comment, tell a friend, tell an enemy. It's not any of my business what you do. Randy, what? I messed up this entire thing. <laughs> it's those sunglasses. I always wear sunglasses. Y- yes, I do. On Sundays, I always wear sunglasses because my future is so bright. Sundays are for sunglasses, baby. Thank you. It's sunglass day. <laughs> it's so dark in here, though. That's because of your attitude has dimmed this entire room. I'm sure that's true. You coming in here with your thermos of wine. I don't even have... I forgot my thermos of tea. <laughs> <laughs> no booze hound today? Not yet. <laughs> okay. All right, Randy, Michael, any closing thoughts? Uh, yeah, this might get me canceled, but go ahead and uh, on Friday the 13th, go ahead and support the new Mel Gibson film called Fat Man coming to uh, select theaters. <laughs> it's coming out this soon? Uh-huh, Friday the 13th, and then it should be digital on the 17th. Oh, I'm going to fat man it up. People are talking about that. Yeah, yeah, look. Theaters for less than a week? I mean, it, it opens the week before, and then it, it'll probably still be in theaters for a couple weeks, depending on how it does, but yeah. That's a weird conclusion I jumped to. Four. <laughs> Russell, Randy, Oksana, myself. Enjoy, Johnny, the rest of the show. And have fun, lollipops. on a hangnail, and it would just keep tearing down my finger and up my arm. I never imagined it would happen while yanking a loose flap of skin on the tip of my penis. Can I be completely honest here? <laughs> this one's a little disturbing. <laughs> it was really gross. It's really gross. Like It's really gross. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I, I know a little inside baseball on this one. And um, Sam had texted me. And he's like, "Can I just use two sentence horror story to make Listen, Clark or Sam? Yeah, to to make Clark say terrible things." And I'm like, <laughs> "That's kind of what I thought people were gonna do." Oh, wait, wait, wait. just so we're clear, creepy Clark. Yeah, creepy Clark. I'm not fucking Clark over here. That's true, you, but it, it is vile. I I should distinguish listener Sam, Sam, creepy Clark, Clark. I'm so, I keep calling you. I'm too casual to everybody. Uh, well, Creepy, how, how's things been going this week? Uh, you know, I, I got a Twitter. There's not a whole lot of tracks in, going on. Uh, Randy doesn't follow up with my <laughs> DMs that I send him. You know, I tried to start some dialogue with the Planters the Peanuts Corporation. <laughs> did you see that, Russell? No, Creepy didn't. Clark actually did try to carry on a conversation with the Planters Peanuts. And? Um, about the... it was it was, Excuse me, Clark. But it was about... The distribution of nuts inside of their assorted jar. Uh, <laughs> what, what was the goal? 
Well, the goal is to get more pecans. <laughs> That's the goal. Because it was, it, they sold me uh, a fake bill of goods. They said that there were pecans in there. There were no pecans. The creepy Clark prefers to eat nuts. Well, pecan. I mean, he, is look, this a bit? He is right. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it's a bit. I got a Twitter <laughs> character. Of course, it's a fucking bit. All right, that's it. All right, bye. All right, bye. <laughs> <laughs> This week's two sentence horror story again brought to you by, oh. as we previously mentioned, listener Sam. I believe this is his fourth uh, c- contribution yeah, to the just, bit yeah. that will not die. Uh, <laughs> as I said, Creepy Clark, you can follow Creepy Clark on Twitter. I believe it's at Clark Creepy because uh, Clark actually helped him out. I actually helped him out and created his uh, Twitter form. I like how you referred to yourself as Clark. I mean, don't we all? Can we go in third person here? Uh, Jimmy Kimmel Eat World No, uh, Seinfeld <laughs> Eat World got me J- Jimmy, J- <laughs> It just takes some time, dude Oh my god There's a dude Um, There's a dude in the, the live stream That we do every Thursday That ha- plays a lot of games with barely functional gamers And uh, his name's Banyan and I'm just always like, dude, Banyan. Also, you know, there's a person in this in this circle that we're here that always refers to themselves as third person. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, I referred to them too much last week. So All the I'm time. Avoided. Yeah, and they're not aware of it either. Really? Yeah, and I always I mean, call it out. I'm like, you makes just did it. All the sense in the world. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, but the Banyan dude, man, every time he comments, I just start fucking cracking up. Like I love, I love it when you're named after a Seinfeld character. <laughs> also, you know, we were we were talking about keeping Soup's a sh- not a meal. We were talking about keeping a shorter intro, and I oh, reluctantly junked a clip where uh, while I was playing a game that I beat. By the way, also Randy came in a little late. Clarky came in early, left early. Uh, it turned into a shit show on there. You talking about isolation? <laughs> isolation. That you do Doesn't it always? Gamers every Thursday. Yeah, but I mean like an extra shitty show, like a clogged toilet shit show. <laughs> and uh, I I thought it was a good idea if it's like, oh, let's do one of those donation stickers. It's a dollar, a hundred bits. And then, you know, people could tell us like, they could basically assign a shot. Oh my God, man. I played the third game of the night. Which was very cool. It was eight bit, like found footage game. It was cool. By the time I came back, because nobody pulled me out after I beat it, I was dancing in my chair. I was like, I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I said, okay, I'm not doing a punishment shot because we have like rules. So I was walking down. I opened the door. I opened the other door. I go down the hallway. And David is crawling. He's the one that does all the art and the technical end of barely functional. He's pulling himself down the hallway via the wall. And he's like, you bitch, you didn't get And I'm like, no, fuck you. You can't even walk. I walked out there. Chucky goes, dude, he's been doing Tai Chi out here. What the hell? Dude, it was so. I have a video of him shaking his head left and right. Like he's motorboating somebody, but there's nobody around. And he'll stop and stare at me and then start doing it again. And he has no recollection. But while I was gone, Oksana, she mentioned that uh, there was a moment where she was talking about how she was taller than all the kids in like fifth grade or something, all the boys. Well, that's very common with girls. It is. And she was complaining about it. And Chuggy went, oh, I like tall, muscular women. 
And we're like, okay. <laughs> and I think Chris joined in. And then Chuggy, who survived them all shooting, this the same Chuggy, uh, was like, yeah, like She-Hulk. <laughs> yeah, then he kept saying how She-Hulk was hot. Yeah, and uh, to tie this in the film, they are making a She-Hulk show. Really? So when later on, uh, Terrell came over the next day to watch Dragon, he was like, ooh, you excited? They got She-Hulk on this show. And then I pulled it up, the actress. I was like, dude, she's not ripped at all. And Chucky was just like, no, he's not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, breaking news here. I did not know She-Hulk was a thing until 30 seconds ago. W- wait, what? I didn't know She-Hulk was a thing. Oh, okay. So all comic books. They- Randy, do you know She-Hulk? Uh, I knew that it existed, but I don't know anything about it. Okay. So all comic books, once they have a thing that works really well, that's when you get all the gender variants. Well, that's like everything. Batman, Batgirl, Superman, Supergirl, Superdog. You know what I mean? Superboy. Super uh, well, I, I know about uh, Pigman. Spider-Pig. <laughs> Pigman. <laughs> Pigman. That's back to Seinfeld. There are three. Oh, the Pigman. Yeah, but there are Pigman. three ho- horror movies called uh, Pigman. So there's a franchise. Spider-Pig. I think it, one of them might be found footage, too. Did Mulaney play Spider-Pig in the... Uh, I believe so, yeah. Heard? Okay. Okay. Oh, I didn't realize. Did you not see Into no, the Spider Verse? It. Dude, it's really good. That's... And it's got Randy's favorite song from Randy's favorite artist. <laughs> Who? I'm Cor- a Post Malone. Courtney Barnett. Post Malone. Oh, Post Malone. Who's homies with Courtney Barnett? Apparently. Oh, as he, eh, he gets along Nirvana with everybody. Video. He gets along with everyone. Also from Utah, which we talk about later in this episode. Yeah. So to end the book on Hulk, not from Utah. They have Utah. Gray Hulk, Red Hulk, She Hulk. There's Doc Samson, who's a Samson. Uh, parallel his hair is only green oh samsonite yeah you know getting a little christian <laughs> christian on him uh speaking of death and uh resurrection and oh don't this is a terrible i just segue. i want to get it done uh it happened today do you want to do you want to do it i got Alex Trebek dead age yeah. 80 age 80 pancreatic cancer uh i couldn't respect the man more i don't like doing memorials but we uh, i mean honestly like we, we have to talk about it but it's sad because I I don't know of a single person who didn't have some sort of admiration for Alex Trebek. Oh, yeah. Because at some point during Jeopardy has been going on for how long? And I, I'm looking here as you wrote all this information there, here. He uh, hosted more than 8,200 episodes. Jesus. We can call that 8,200. So over, over 37 seasons. 37 seasons. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, he he beat uh, Bob Barker. Yeah. yeah, and also Canadian. Also very humble, smart dude. I I pulled up a bunch of How details. How could you on not there. like Alex Trebek? He's a nice guy. I know he he went from um, studying philosophy to becoming a journalist to working as a Canadian uh, broadcasting reporter yeah. to yeah <laughs> doing the cool. I mean, thing. It, it was a very sad day when you know he he announced that he was uh, sick and. You but know. you know why I love him because he was like, "I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing." He's great. He's like, I don't want to live, you know, like, uh, a, yeah, yeah. So I all, all, all respect to and to Mr. Trebek. And it's about time that we play the goddamn clip that we always talked about. I never pulled. Um, it's it's a little long. I mean, you know, when we start doing this radio thing, you learn how long five seconds actually Do not are. play the whole thing. I'm going to play it. You tell me when to cut it. Okay. And uh, here, this this is for you, Alex. This genre of novel, (laughs) this genre of game, this alliterative genre, this fantasy genre, this spooky genre, this popular genre, this six-letter genre, this genre about a (laughs) low-born scamp, the genre of American 
local color ballet, the sword and sandal genre, a Japanese cartoon genre, a TV genre, 1970s genre of film, the 60s musical genre, this very American genre of music, king of this musical genre, master of this literary genre, leader in this colorful music genre, giant of this literary genre. Okay, there we cut it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> genre. So uh, he he will be remembered forever, forever, and uh, we we've got him as part of the show as I pulled genre. So now uh, that is in my weapon. Uh, Rest easy, Alex. And uh, we're not done yet. I found another clip that I had never seen, and uh, you can tell me when to cut this too. It's a little different. Okay, here we go. Uh, let's wrap for eight hundred, please. Six foot, seven foot, eight foot bunch. Young money militia, and I am the commissioner. You don't want to start oh. easy because the F is my finisher. Lily. Who's Lil Wayne? Lil Wayne, yes. That's perfect. <laughs> yes. Uh, let's wrap for 400, please. They mad they ain't famous. They mad they still nameless. <laughs> but we still hood famous. Yeah, we still hood famous. Julia? Who is Kanye West? Yes, and I hope uh, I don't get an email from him. <laughs> All right, that's good. Yeah, that's yeah. perfect. That little Wayne was great. Yeah, so clearly those were edited together. That's perfect. With, yeah, it's a longer clip. Again, I'll throw Only it up in 14, the show Only 14,000 views? There's not <laughs> a lot. That's, that's, that's good stuff right there. Dude, the genre one, 453,000. And I expect it to go up now that he's uh, you know moved on to uh, living next door to Madeline. And... Um, <laughs> We'll remember him forever. Anyway, uh, as a palate cleanser, I have some more celebrity news. Oh, boy. Uh, Cobra got dumped as clip of the week. So now we got the celebrity clip of the week. Oh, boy. Uh, I have a mystery guest who's going to uh, give a little political punditry. If you all have a guess at who it is, weigh in. And then uh, if you win, uh, I'll give you like 20 bucks. Okay? That cool? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> If you can pull who this is, I'll give you some money or a hug or like tongue. Or How about COVID. just DoorDash? Oh, okay. That's not bad. Yeah. Right, here we by, go. Okay. Randy is against you and Clark. Uh, play, pay close attention. Right, before we start. So what are you playing exactly? Um, somebody uploaded something to social media and it, it's a little pol political. So I'm not going to see the video, right? No, no video. All right, no video. Otherwise, you would get it, right? We just need to guess who the person is. Yeah, actually, the video probably wouldn't give it away, but all the shit around the video, like the title and everything. Would... <sighs> are any idea, like, are you narrowing this down, or is it just a celebrity, an actor? Um, it's a type of celebrity I hate. It is the um, uh, the kin of a celebrity. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay? I know, it's worrying. <sighs> That's why I felt comfortable offering money. All right, so it's Frank Stallone. Here we go. I'll give you maximum two plays. It's a short clip. Right, here we, we go. go. Hey, guys. I just want to say that, you know, like, now that Trump's leaving office, I think it's important to remember that he was the president, so we should show some respect. Pussy clot. Fuck them, Ross. Donald Noah Rob would be boss and Biden. Fuck them, Ross. Pussy clot, boy. Go suck on <laughs> what? Why did he turn into a Jamaican cab driver? <laughs> so you got a guess yet? <sighs> God, that's tough. no idea. You're saying it's a, it's a, oh, it's a beloved uh, actor's um, son. Beloved actor's son. Yeah. Beloved actor's son. Here, I love this. Clip. Have they been in anything? 
I don't think so. They've been making a little bit of a wave on social media with this shit. <laughs> All right. It's not the first time that the uh, Jamaican affectation or accent uh, has arised, and I think it's been dormant for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But yesterday, that clip, it came up, and people were like, oh, fuck, we're back. <laughs> Ready? You got any guess? I have absolutely no idea now. All right. I'm going to say... Here, let me play it one more time while yeah, you're thinking. let me get one more. Hey, guys, I just want to say that, you know, like, now that Trump's leaving office, I think it's important to remember that he was the president, so we should show some respect. <laughs> Pussy clot. <laughs> Fuck them, Ross. Donald no one Rob would be boss and Biden. Biden? Fuck them, Ross. Pussy clot, boy. Go suck on a mother. <laughs> Go suck on a mother. Uh... What's that mean? I have no idea. It's like idea. suck your mom's boob. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> hey, hey, you go get some nourishment. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to say the son of John Lovitz. Um, I'll give you a hint. He had COVID. This guy had COVID. His dad had COVID. Dio Hugo. Oh, oh, oh! It's Chet Hanks. It's Chet. Yep. Chet Bam, <laughs> baby. Yeah. Of course, it's so Chet here, Hanks. I'll, I'll mute it just so you can see uh, his bullshit. Yeah, but he's walking in the street. Filming the video. Uh, people are not liking it. <laughs> of course it's Chad Hanks. I uh, I was not very familiar with him up until this point. Also, this video only has 724 it's views. It's a re-upload. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's early on, and I think people are trying to, like, you know. Also, it was a um, social media thing. So somebody had to rip it. I'm not sure his preferred platform, to be it TikTok it like or. TikTok. He's probably yeah. a TikToker. Yeah, he seems like a TikToker. Do you know he was in um, uh, the last season of uh, Mark Maron's IFC show? What? (laughs) Basically playing a version of himself. Oh, really? In rehab, yeah. Oh, in rehab? Yeah. Well, what's his uh, vice of choice? Because being a celebrity, being Tom Hanks' son. (laughs) God, I fucking hate the children of celebrities. It's, I, ugh. Call Hanks' show. (laughs) <laughs> that is true he looks chill when i was looking he was up- also the trinity killer oh or he got killed by the trinity okay <laughs> one of those two i can't remember if if he was the same person as no 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 was he no he wasn't trinity he was uh edward james almost that was and that was the season yes the 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 Colin Hanks season. That's where Dexter started to take a dip. Oh, I fucked up. Am I wrong? Uh, never yeah. seen it. I think, no, I think you're correct. Randy, you never saw any Dexters? Uh, maybe I've seen like one episode, but that's about it. All right, Randy, hmm. your homework. It's you have to watch all of Dexter. No. <laughs> it's very light entertainment in a way that I think it would infuriate Randy. Yeah. I also, there's a lot of... Um, They're bringing it back. There's a lot of fucking forensic propaganda in there. Because after, um, oh, who did Rogan have on those dudes that were talking about all the myths of like forensic science? I have no idea. And he, I, the first thing I thought of was, oh, <laughs> that's like the whole show of Dexter, like talking about like blood splatter work, yeah, and like um, cavity uh, matching and uh, the whole cavity how, colors. How you can fo- <laughs> plug in a brand, <laughs> <laughs> or how um, fire science? How you can determine if a building was arson or not? They're just like, oh, yeah, that's cool stuff. Yeah. Also, I fucked up. What'd you do? I wanted to uh, try out a uh, morning zoo intro. Oh, God. Nope. You want to hear it? Thumbs up or thumbs down? Here we go. Thumbs down. Thumbs down. 
<laughs> as the baseline. We, look, we can do stuff with that. I don't know. We could maybe have a cue. It's like a this is the cool guy segment. I know, right? It, that was my only fear. Was actually, it's kind of a riff on that. Yeah. Pardon double pun there. But yeah, your mom's house, they do the cool guy thing and they actually have a cool guitar riff. Well, I mean, I guess the beauty in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's that's my way of sneaking Cobra back in. <laughs> no, that was not Van Halen, R.I.P. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that guitar like very similar to the great Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. All right. I'm done. I, I kept it short. You did. Per your command. That's good. And, you know, you threw in a memorial in there. Of a great Canadian icon. <laughs> also, you know, he might appear in a lot, in maybe more films than Night of the Living Dead. He's in the background of a lot of movies with Jeopardy. It's a- kind of a, Yeah, it's kind of a staple for like boring Americana, like my parents suck, and then they're like watching Jeopardy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I actually, Night of the Living Dead probably has some beat. I got a, I got a hand job while watching Jeopardy uh, <laughs> once. Really? Yeah. What what topic were they on? <laughs> and you know, it was one of those that I I wasn't doing well. How much what, did you pay? That's a very good question. <laughs> was it a horny topic? I, do paid, you I paid four months <laughs> of my life. Ooh. Was it a horny topic? Yeah, yeah. That's what really got you. <laughs> yeah, you know, Trebek's getting sopping wet up there. I don't know. Look, here's the thing with Jeopardy. Like, it's feast or famine. I feel like. There are times where I feel like I am crushing it on Jeopardy, yeah. and then other times I, I have no business being anywhere near it. That's but trivia. I think that's the beauty of it. And I the the other part of why uh, Jeopardy is so great is the people on it. Because you're really, I think it's a good glimpse of personalities mm-hmm. with Jeopardy, opposed to like Wheel of Fortune. Will yeah. of Fortune, you you don't get anything out of those people, nah. except they're just uh, tourists from Ohio. Well, the game they're playing is kind of uh, a labor, too. A hundred percent. These are introverted weirdos. Are you a fan of game shows in general? Oh, I, 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 love, I love the idea of game shows. I don't... I love the idea of game shows. The execution of some of them annoy the shit out of me. <laughs> like, like I love how, like, this summer, it, it seems like the past few summers, they're all about, on network TV is all about bringing back the classic game shows. Yeah. And this year they brought back pe- Pressure Luck. What is that? You don't remember Pressure uh, Whammies? No whammies, no whammies, no whammies. What? <laughs> no idea. <laughs> bars? You don't know Pressure Luck? I like no. a whammy bar. Randy, you don't know any? Okay, so Pressure Luck was a game show. God, uh, 70s, <laughs> maybe, maybe late 60s, but I'm going to say 70s. It seemed very 70s. And it would be, there's a giant board and there are literally dozens of choices. And it'd and it be like a big screen TV or it will be a picture of a little whammy guy, okay. a little, a little cartoon oh. like rat man. And if you got that, all the cash and prizes that you accumulated, if the screen went, if it landed on the whammy, then the whammy comes in a little cartoon and they, he usually does some little skit and he's like, oh, I'm coming to take your money. And then, then he wipes the board clear. Uh, so, a la uh, Tim Robinson? Well, that's, um, 
that's not whammy. That's uh yeah, but that's is that what they're like ripping on? Yes. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a pressure luck thing. What the fuck was his name? Uh, uh, what do you do? What do you do? <laughs> you <laughs> had all summer to work on this, Randy. What's his name? I don't know. Oh, it's Chunky. Chunky. Yeah, because I always want to call him Chuggy. Yeah, you got uh, a Chunky. You got a Chunky. <laughs> He's like, why are you breaking my laptop? <laughs> Hey, that's my hat. Don't talk. <laughs> but yeah. Um, and now Elizabeth Banks is hosting that. Oh, weird. Yeah. What happened? Did um, who wants to be a millionaire break the modern game? Well, you know what they're bringing back now. Uh, deal or no deal. Oh. Weakest link. Wait, what is? I forget. You it. are the weakest link. Goodbye. Oh, I hate that. Condescending yes. And now bullshit. Jane Lynch is doing it and she's doing the exact same <laughs> oh, thing. Oh, my God. That's where I'm like, can we not do that? What's a game show I like? Now, I, I'll tell you this, and it came out when I was in high school, but I was a big fan of Deal or No Deal. <laughs> Were you? It was super dumb. Yeah, I watched it quite dumb, a bit, too. It's fun. <laughs> Howie's great. Howie's a great a game show host. I thought he was fantastic. You got Randy's back. He kept the energy going. Of course, I liked Who, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Yeah. I think that the drama involved with that was great. Um. I I mean look I I I love uh uh what's the Drew Carey one Price is Right of course mm-hmm. who won those prices right Wheel of Fortune never really did it for me <laughs> man I don't like Pat Sajak I don't trust him you know he seems shady to I me. know you and Randy like your highbrow bald Howie game shows <laughs> that me? is very lowbrow I like a lot of slime in my game shows and I really only fuck with the Nickelodeon with Mark Summers. I'm a big Mark Summers fan. Mark Summers, very nice guy. Was not a fan of uh, what was the fucking real life Beavis and Butthead show that was a uh, workaholics until they had Mark Summers on, and then I'm like, all right, I could. They fuck had with Mark y'all. Summers on. Yeah, that's how I know I could be cool with that. Now, of course, if we're talking, you know, Double Dare is up there. Double Dare's great, and then Legends of the Hidden Temple. That's my favorite. Is also fantastic. Favorite one. Blue Barracudas all the way. <laughs> Blue Barracudas. I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. I mean, the orange monkeys. You'd think I would like them. Fucking orange monkeys. I'm not a fan. Or the gray parrots or something. What the fuck? Yeah, I don't know why we're talking. Oh, Mark Summers doesn't look great. Well, he's 68 years old. <laughs> fuck, he's so old. And he's, still- only, he's only a, a dozen behind uh, the great uh, <laughs> late uh, Trebekki. Oh, I thought you were going to say our president. <laughs> President-elect. President, he's the president. It's fine. We can live with it. And if you're worried that Trump won't leave, don't worry. The CIA will just shoot him or something. <laughs> Secret Service has a plan to go in, apparently. I don't know. I, I, I think... Let's just keep let's just keep the craziness going. Keep them both. Trump, don't leave. <laughs> let's just. I just want to see how it plays out. I'm addicted to the chaos at this point. Yeah, fuck I it. frankly don't care. Yeah, life's gonna feel empty. Yeah, like what are we gonna do? Just keep them both in there. Yeah, if people aren't bitching, you know, eh, we gotta fuck bitch it. about something. How old would they be combined? What seventy seven and seventy four? No, no, let Randy do the math on that. It's close to one hundred and sixty, one hundred and fifty. I think seven, something like that. Yeah, that's a good, strong number. <laughs> All right. Now, Randy, uh, let's throw it to you and your movies now. Uh, so the movie you're going to lead off here is a movie I've heard about. I know a little bit about it, but I, I, I need some additional information about Dick Johnson is dead. 
Yeah. Uh, so I think this came out in like early October on Netflix. October uh, 2nd, my uncle's birthday. Wish him happy birthday. Happy birthday, oh, uncle. Happy birthday. Peckerhead. <laughs> so I actually, actually watched this the day that it came out, and I'm just now talking about it just because I, I didn't watch anything this week. What the fuck were you doing? Well, I, I watched the movie this morning, and that's about it. I don't know. It's been like dark super early, and I've just been tired, and I've been waking up at like 6 a.m., so I just, I just didn't have time to cram any movies in. Have you been watching television? Uh, a little bit, yeah. What you watching? Anything good? Just my uh, Ewan McGregor motorcycle show. All right, so no. It's a great it show. Hog? Love that hog show. Wild? Ho- yeah. Ho- First of all, <laughs> it's wild hogs. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know why. Oh, you mean hogs come a wild? Mm. I didn't mean to offend you. <laughs> it's called A Long Way Up. They're writing electronic Harley Davidsons from Argentina up to LA. Oh, they're, they're Harley Davidsons. Yeah. Electric. Yeah. Electric can go. <laughs> But uh, yeah, back to Dick Johnson is dead. Uh, it is a movie directed by Kirsten Johnson, who is the daughter of Dick Johnson. Uh, Dick Johnson is a clinical f- psychiatrist, can't speak words, uh, who starts to uh, suffer from dementia. So his wife um, actually died from Alzheimer's disease in 2007, and Kirsten Johnson, uh, she's a filmmaker. She, uh, she's a camera person. She has a documentary called Camera Person. She shot a lot of documentaries. I think she was the camera person on Citizen Four. Um, yes, the great Edward Snowden documentary, which I will never see. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, around the time that her mom was passing away, she realized that she didn't have like any footage of like her mom when she was like, you know, not. Uh, suffering from Alzheimer's disease. And so she kind of wanted to sort of like preserve a little bit of Dick Johnson um, before he is a little too far gone. Um, So the movie uh, has a pretty cool, like, I don't know, gimmick to it, essentially. Um, So yeah, Kirsten Johnson uh, asks her dad, she's like, hey, I have this idea for like a movie slash documentary where uh, we're kind of dealing with your death preemptively. And we're gonna kill you off in a bunch of like random scenes of like freak accidents, almost like uh, final de- final destination type deaths. Um, and they're they're shot like kind of goofy. There's like one that's like a little too real, um, oh. but he he agrees to it. He's like, yeah, he's, I'm down with whatever you want to do. Um, so he's he's game for the uh, the experiment. I mean, the man's name is Dick Johnson. <laughs> yeah, he's a yeah he's a really sweet personality i don't know just like you know a lot of people i'm sure have probably made documentaries about people that they think are interesting and you know doesn't come out that way but i don't know he's he's super charming um but yeah you know it uh it does get pretty real once um so essentially he is living in seattle and she lives in new york and uh when it's starting to become a little more uh real that uh he's starting to uh, loses mind a little bit. She moves him into New York, uh, into a house with her. Um, and so essentially it's like the experiment of like these death scenes, and then also just kind of like documenting like his health, um, and sort of their relationship. They have a really, uh, sweet relationship. Um, yeah, I don't know. The movie is both like very, uh, comedically dark. 
and also made me cry just a little bit as well. Whoa. Wow. Randy. Yeah. Randy's got some tears going on. A little bit, man. That's good. What's the last movie that made you cry for this one? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question, actually. From 2002. <laughs> what? <laughs> I just said home movies from 2002. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's on Netflix. It's 89 minutes. Um, yeah, it's really good. All right. Yeah. Netflix. What made you cry? I need to know. Uh, I mean, yeah, mortality and, you know, family stuff and watching a, a family member starting to sort of lose their mind a little bit. Actually, there's one specific moment towards the beginning where she's talking to him. She's like, hey, yeah, you're going to move in with me. Uh, and one thing that he's like really attached to is his car. But apparently he had a really bad car accident beforehand, mm-hmm. so, which kind of like sparked uh, her moving him to uh, New York. And uh, she's talking to him and uh, he's just like, she's like, oh yeah, we're, we're selling your car today or whatever. And you could tell he's just like super attached to it just because it's like sort of like a symbol of his independence as well, you know? And so he's like, so I'm not going to be able to like drive my car again. And she's like, no, but you're not going to need a car. Like you're, you're moving to New York, you know, like you don't, you don't need a car there. But there's like a little like, you see almost like a little tear in his eye. And I was like, man, I don't know. It was just, it was really powerful. Yeah, that's a very real situation that a lot of people have to have with their parents. Yeah, and you know, it's happened to, uh, yeah, my grandma in the last several years as well, you know? So I think it just like brought me back to that a little bit too. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a conversation that uh, we had to have with with my grandparents, uh, both sets, as, uh, yeah, all all of my grandparents, their their mental faculties left. Really? uh, Before they did. Where, uh, like, that's why I know that it's it's imminent with me. <laughs> and then my dad was diagnosed with early onset dementia. Now, jury's still out if that was a medication uh, malfunction going on there. But, uh, sure. I mean, it, surely he has lost his goddamn mind. <laughs> but, yeah, man, uh, the the dementia stuff is is rough. And it's, it's a terrible thing to go through. And it's a terrible thing for your uh, loved ones to experience. Is, um, it's also very annoying. Um, because <laughs> yeah. frankly, like you have to repeat as like we just had this conversation thirty seconds ago. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Th- I think the scariest <laughs> thing is um, that sundowning. Have you heard about that? Sundown. When the sun goes down, then dementia down. gets like heavier yeah. and like yeah. Huh. I, I tell you this with my my with my father's depression. Uh, Winter time was worse. Oh, fuck. Yeah, for well, sure. Every time. Yeah, so I, I definitely see the uh, the correlation with those two things. <laughs> All right, and we close the book on. Yeah. You're a big dick. Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, you, yeah, another thing wait, wait, I saw. Wait, wait, wait yeah. before we leave that, we got to play this mini game. While you were talking, we were going through all the posters, and me and Clark were having so much fun as uh, the poster is Dick Johnson over a skull and crossbones. Yeah. All of the foreign posters just have a different uh, language under there. So, Clark, you want to try and give them all a shot? Yes, here we go. (laughs) Here we go. Descanza in paz, Dick Johnson. All right. (laughs) Dick Johnson e muerto. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Dick Johnson is taught. (laughs) As mortes de Dick Johnson. (laughs) De Dick. 
Okay, that's all of them. The and other Dick ones Johnson were, were in like Korean or something. And I'm not gonna try those. Oh, but you know Mandarin. <laughs> Give us a little. Sure, sure. A little yeah, bit nice. more. Ma. <laughs> <laughs> okay thank you sorry to cut you off randy that was very important Shishu. all good uh a movie that i watched that is not in mandarin is called black bear from 2020 <laughs> i was in cantonese gotcha <laughs> yeah it's a it's a english language film Boom. uh starring aubrey plaza christopher abbott and sarah gadon uh i can't remember which film festival i watched this as part of but it's uh it's been on like a lot of virtual uh film fests as of late uh, I think the release date says it's like December 4th, so I won't say too much about it, but uh, Aubrey Plaza's character, she uh, is a filmmaker and a writer as well, and she's sort of um, in a little, little like, in a rut creative-wise. Uh, so she goes to this rural, like, cabin retreat thing to kind of, uh, you know, just get away and sort of, like, get a new project going. Um, and at this retreat, there is uh, Christopher Abbott and Sarah Gadon, uh, who are a couple. And yeah, she's hanging out there and things get weird with them. And there's kind of like a, this awkward uh, argument that they're in. And then Aubrey Plaza and Christopher Abbott's characters kind of start to have some chemistry. And um, yeah, I don't want to say too much about it since it's not out yet, but um I don't know, it's probably one of the better films I've seen this year. Uh, really dug it. Um, Aubrey Plaza has a ton to do in this movie, and she um, delivers very well. She's not doing just like her awkward Parks and Rec thing. Um, and the second half of this movie was kind of a surprise to me. Um, so the movie, yeah, it starts out with just like those three main characters, and then uh, more characters are introduced in the second half, but I won't say too much about that, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's really good. It kind of reminded me of, uh, I'm forgetting his name already. The director who, uh, does a lot of stuff with Elizabeth Moss. Oh, that's your homie, dude. Yeah. My homie? Alex Ross no, Perry. Alex Ross Perry. Yeah. It kind of reminded me of like a Alex Ross Perry movie. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's, I guess, about as much as I'm going to say about it. But I, I liked it more than Alex Ross Perry's movies. Um, it's a little more like psychological genre-y sort of. But uh, yeah, it's good. Uh, psychological what? <laughs> genre. Thank you. Genre. Now, Randy, this is the director of Wild Canaries. Did you see that? I remember when it came out and I said, this would be something I'm interested in. And that was six years ago when I still hadn't seen it. <laughs> Uh, no, I haven't seen anything else he's done. Um, actually, I'm looking at it now. Did he do Always Shine? So uh, he pops up there, but he he was not the director of Always Shine. I believe maybe he is um, an actor. Okay. Always uh, Shine is kind of like a good reference for this type of thing, yeah, too. he's an actor. Uh, click click uh, writer and producer there. It is. Oh, he also produced it, and he wrote it. Okay. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Black Bear, it should be out sometime soon. I don't know where, but the release date says December 4th. Okay. And this is also the uh, ever important obligatory question. What did you rate it on letterboxd.com? 4.5. Whoa! Boo! Oh, everybody. Let's, let's <laughs> calm down. 
Uh, okay, so this is the best movie you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's, uh, I don't know, Engineer Sam really liked, or Engineer Sam. Uh, that's <laughs> Listener Sam really liked it. Uh, Marbles R.I.P. liked it a lot, too. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's good. You can't, you hear pressure? Is that what we're talking? No. <laughs> I don't think I looked at their ratings until after I rated it either. And you, you don't remember which festival this was through? Uh, I don't know. All right, very interesting. Black Bear Diner, keep on rolling. <laughs> Four and a half. Okay. I have not seen Always Shine either, and that, that's been on my radar as well. So Yeah, that one's no, really I, good. I'm not a huge fan of the Audrey Plaza. What was that movie in that she was like a weirdo on um, social media? Oh, I love that movie. Yeah. Anger I, Goes West. Were yeah. you there when uh, she came out to yeah. the Alamo for it? Yeah. Yeah, I remember I... You don't like that movie? I like the movie, but I like movies about the internet. That's a good movie. She wasn't bad in it, but I don't like her, like, uh, her shtick. Her, like... You liked her in uh, a Child's Play. I did, yeah. Oh, but yeah. That was kind of playing... It was kind of using her her model against her, narratively. I just think you're in too deep. She's a talented actor. Kind of mm-hmm. I think that she, you know, it's... It's a common thing. You got you kind of get stuck in a rut with certain oh, for sure. things, and uh, but I, you know, I don't. She's you know, very I'm, talented. I'm just not a fan of awkward, which yeah. is you sure. know. And she became sort of the princess of that. Yeah, for sure. There's but not, I mean, there's not much of that here. Like I said, she definitely uh, has a ton to do in this movie, and it's a. Uh, I don't know. I don't. Wouldn't even say like awkward is too much of how I would describe her character in this movie. Yeah, I don't know. It's I, I hate it when a film's telling me that this this girl's uh, men don't like her because she's a weirdo. And it's like it's, clearly she's a very pretty woman. There's a ton of dudes who would like her. Yeah, she kind of plays that role and shit. What was that horror movie? Most she people was in? have a crush on Aubrey Plaza. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, most awkward people. What is that from? Where did that term come from? Awkward. That awkward. Oh, yeah. RoboCop. Oh, RoboCop. Yeah, dude, yeah. <laughs> I'd buy that for Zach's favorite Plaza. movie. He's really ahead of the time okay, there. Guys, RoboCop's very good movie. <laughs> oh, you know, while we were doing isolation out of nowhere. No, was it on there? I don't know. Chris came up to me out of nowhere and went, wrong, not RoboCop. And then said his favorite movie. And I went, what? <laughs> What's his favorite Robo-Cop? movie? I can't remember. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was Go, really. It's just peeling the onion every <laughs> week. More and more about Chris. <laughs> and the tears keep coming. All right. Okay. All right. So, boys. We got to get into yesterday. I had a hell of a day. You understand? <laughs> I finally decided that the, the, the theaters are back open. And Randy, have you, you, Randy, you've been once, right? Didn't you say you went to a, a, a screening thing? You had some <laughs> yeah. friend buy out a theater? Yeah. I haven't been to any uh, general population showings yet. Randy, it is, uh, and, and Russ can attest to this. It's rough times at the theater right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, I went yesterday. I, I saw two movies at the Motion Picture House um, in San Bruno, California, at the Tanferan uh, Cinemark 20. I went, the first feature was at 12.55 p.m. No, incorrect. The uh, <laughs> 12.35 and then 2.55. And the whole lobby, it was me, two women, in front of me and two women behind me. Ooh. And there's a conga line. I was the only one who knew what the fuck I was doing. 
I don't understand these people who have never interacted with machines and they've apparently never purchased a movie ticket in their life. I was in that line. Again, there was no one else in the lobby of the movie. Everyone was in line (laughs) and they didn't know how to get a ticket. And the woman giving them the ticket was on her phone. This interaction took 10 minutes. I do not understand. Well, I still don't know what was happening. Anyway, what I'm saying is that the movies, are, it's bad times. <laughs> the the concession prices, they've lowered yeah. to a ridiculous price. I know. Randy, you can get a large Coca-Cola for $3.50 now. Oh. Hell yeah, I'm going to get two of them. <laughs> what about a what about a nicey? I see the same dude. It's crazy because it, oh, so with with Cinemark, uh, of course, they've still got the Cinemark um, movie club thing where you get an additional twenty percent off. Mm-hmm. That still is intact. So if you were a Cinemark <laughs> member, you're still getting twenty percent off the already reduced prices. And this is where this is where the movie theaters are making their money anyway off the concessions. Yeah, and no one is going to the movies. I went yesterday at a Saturday afternoon. I saw less than twenty people in the two movies that I saw. <laughs> nice, it's insane. Well, this is why I am uh, not pro a government issued lockdown, because I think you know the free market will dictate and you know adapt. And I think people aren't stupid. Uh, you know, I fucking hate the government, and they treat people like they're fucking sheep. And if you're open, people will decide. They'll think, do I, do I want to risk it? Eh, probably not. You so, know what I mean? So this week's guest, Tucker Carlson. Oh, yeah. That is not his point of view. <laughs> Straighten your bow tie out. God, he's uh, he's so lame. He's got a large stick in his butt, I'm sure. I just don't like his cadence. Uh, condescending? Yeah. Welcome to all Correct. corporate news. <laughs> also, it's 2020. Nothing wrong with having a stick in your butt. Oh. <laughs> okay, Randy. Uh, right, that's a good Randy joke. Oh, man. The first movie I saw, and I had to see it because I see all of this man's movies. I think, R- Russ, can you please go to his uh, IMDb, the International Movie Database profile for one Liam Neeson? Uh, no, you're going to make and fun of me for spelling it. All right. you had to do was click on his icon since you had the thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> Here we go. That's better. <laughs> You were killing me today. Would you click the button, please? Which button? IMDb. Okay, yeah. Thank you. All right. So let's see his um, all the movies I've seen. Okay, so Honest Thief, seen it. Made in Italy, don't know what that is, don't think it's out. Ordinary Love, no. Cold Pursuit, yes. Widows, yes. Commuter, yes. Daddy's Home 2, uh, I don't want to say. Silence, yes. He's a monster calls. Yes. I watch all this man's movies. You know what I'm saying? I love You skipped these. a few in there. Those are, oh, A Men in Black International didn't see those. Star Wars? That's a, that's a cart, that's a cartoon. <laughs> I don't watch cartoons. Okay. I'm not a child. You understand? Mm-hmm. Or you're, you're Japanese <laughs> child. You're something. The anime. You're something, all I right. I look like a child. He's a pedophile. Oh, oh thank God. you. <laughs> So is that where you were getting the? Handy? I reviewed I reviewed this film on the Letterboxd application yesterday. Um, my I believe my summary was uh, this film, Honest Thief, is a lot like uh, the Macarena. All right, all right. You're familiar with the steps, and you want to hate it, 
but if you let yourself have fun, you can. And that's exactly what this movie is. You know all the beats with this. He plays an old bank heist thief. And he was known as the, and they even make fun of this name. They gave him the name of the In-N-Out Bandit because he was In-N-Out and no one saw a thing. Mm. And he was uh, very highly religious. Here's the thing about bank robbers. And I know this from, I do a lot of research because I'm very interested in the art of, of, of bank thievery. And just, I, I like heist. Russell, you know this. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing, what you need to know about bank heist people. Okay. They're very boring. Okay. Because they're very organized. You can't have a quick triggered bank heist guy. The one thing overall is patience. You've got to have patience. And they played in a little bit on this. Now, the the common theme between the two movies that I want to talk about when I went to the theater yesterday, An Honest Thief, and then the new Kevin Costner film called Let Him Go, is that the one the the two things that tie them together is the actor Jeffrey Donovan who appeared in both the movies, which is kind of crazy. He was in both movies I saw in the theater yesterday, and then the second theme is the suspension of disbelief. There needed to be an appropriate amount of suspension of disbelief for both of these movies I saw yesterday, and The Honest Thief does it much better. Because you're just able to have fun at this silly little bank heist movie about this guy who meets this girl and a uh, girl. She's it's Kate Walsh. She's 50 years old. This is woman, <laughs> and he 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 wants to turn himself in and say that he was the in and out bandit. He wants to turn himself in and make a deal for a reduced sentence at a minimum security prison, and he will turn over the nine million dollars that he's stolen from seven different banks in the last eight years. Okay. The he calls in and these CIA agents, FBI agents, they've been getting these calls all the time about this guy. Everybody wants to be the in and out bandit because this takes place in Boston. It's the biggest thing that happened in Boston in this story. And so they're like, oh, we got another in and out caller. Well, he he actually proves that he was the in and out. And the FBI agent played by Robert Patrick, spoiler mm-hmm. alert, he gets killed. He hands this off to two lower agents. They find the money, and so they're going to screw him over. So they're going to kill him and steal the money. And so that's where it happens. He gets double-crossed by these FBI agents when he's trying to turn himself in, and then he goes on a revenge spree. So it's everything you want out of a Liam Neeson. It was fun. It was dumb, and I enjoyed my 90 minutes. What I did not enjoy was after I went to Five Guys and got a hot dog that was very mediocre and some excellent cajun french fries because that's what you got if you go to five guys and you don't get the cajun fries what are you doing what's the point Mm, i know a few people like that why what are they doing making me angry exactly (laughs) tell them they can stop listening to the show right now (laughs) yeah get that little extra kick enjoy yourself treat yourself we're still in a goddamn quarantine okay get the get the get the cajun fries i did not enjoy who the second movie. Now, Russell, as I, I told you, I was excited about this movie. From I literally saw five seconds of a trailer for this and said, oh, I'm in. It was Kevin Costner. Diane, what's her name? Feinstein. Lane. Diane Lane. They play this couple in Montana. It's a period piece. It's a 
No, Russell has fine after four years. He finally, I think, accepts this as a term. It's a <laughs> neo western. Yeah, the best character from the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> and this movie just feels like it looks boring as hell. It yeah. it, it doesn't. <laughs> So here's the thing with period pieces, man. Like I, I don't, and I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear the the argument. Every movie's a period. <laughs> about to Fuck say off it. of that, okay? <laughs> Fuck off of that. This this felt like everything was a set piece. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like I was in this era of night. I think you were supposed to be in 1961. It didn't feel like 1961. It just felt terrible. It it just felt like a big budget movie, and. The script is so. This is adapted from a novel, and essentially, what happens is Kevin Costner, Diane Lane, they own this uh, ranch out in Montana. They've got a son. The son has a <laughs> wife, and uh, the they wife love each cat. other. And then they had a kid, so they have this little baby boy that they're washing him in the sink. And then they <laughs> see, and then they see the son's horse just running around. <laughs> and like what's going on where's that the sun good. and then the, thank you very much uh creepy clark told me how to do a horse <laughs> and so then kevin costner's like, so he goes and tries to find the sun sun's dead by a creek and his his eyes are open we don't know how the sun died he fell off the horse the horse is way over there but he's dead on a rock <laughs> on, on a creek and the, and the sun's eyes are just open and then you see kevin costner go he just sighs goes mm. And then shuts his eyes with his sand. And then the credits happen. Never let him go or let him go. I don't know. The movie's stupid. Then cut to a wedding scene. We think we're getting dressed up for a funeral. No, 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 no. We're getting dressed up for this bitch's new husband. Oh. She got married. A twist. A few years later to, to a fella whose last name is Wee Boy. Oh. This, if, I noticed if that. you want to play <laughs> a drinking game for Let Him Go, take a drink every time they say Wee Boy. Oh, he's a Wee Boy. You got to stay away from the Wee Boys. They're a bad <laughs> clan, the Wee Boys. I'm sick of the Wee Boys. I don't care about the Wee Boys. I hate this fucking movie. So then, so what happens next <laughs> is so they, they, they had the wedding. It's a very small wedding. And frankly, I would have done a much better job than that efficient who was in the wedding. Okay. No humor. He was in and out. I could have done it in less time and more laughs. You can mark that down. <laughs> they get done with the wedding. And then it's, time just goes by a little bit. And Diane Lane is in town. And she, she, she sees... Um, her husband's widow with her new husband and their grandson. Okay, Randy, you following the story? Gotcha. Thank you so much. <laughs> the little kid's got an ice cream cone. They all are going, because it's 1960s in Montana. This is what you do. You go have ice cream. And he's an adorable little kid. He's waddling around. He's got his ice cream cone. And then it falls. Of course it falls. Because uh-huh. it's a movie. Mm-hmm. And and then you see his dad, I mean his stepdad, and he points at the ice cream, laughs, and then the kid's like, and then he sticks his ice cream in the kid's face. He's like, "This is what you're missing." And then and then the kid's like, <laughs> and then he slaps the kid, and then he slaps the woman, <laughs> and then Diane Lane's just going, "Oh, my dead son!" <laughs> and then 
Cut to she bakes a cake, goes to their house to give them a cake. And then the landlady's like, oh, they left last night. They're in South Dakota with her family. You know, the wee boys. Sick of the wee boys. <laughs> so now the rest of the movie is her and Kevin Costner try to go to South Dakota to go hunt down the goddamn wee boys. <laughs> they find the wee boys after several different filters of other wee boys <laughs> saying, oh, you don't talk to that wee boy. I'm this wee boy. <laughs> I'm so, I hate the wee boy. I don't understand it. It's very strange. It's a weird last name. It's not a name. A wee boy? Talk to the little man, little wee boy. What are we doing? They get there. <laughs> I'm going to spoil it. I'm spending a lot of time. On this. I hope this it, is. It is a weird, I hope it's somewhat entertaining. I like that you're critiquing the wee boy name. I hate the wee boy. How the is last? how is Blanche wee boy? Randy Michael Stat. Okay. Yes, sir. Rand- All right, here's what I, I'm taking my sunglasses I, off. For I only ask because it's uh, Leslie Manville from Phantom Thread. <sighs> This movie is 75% of Rotten Tomatoes. That is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> because they they know the the weaknesses of this and the weakness of this is the adaptation between uh with the story. And I, I also think the visual storytelling is not great. The direction's uh very poor as far as I'm concerned. The acting is the only thing that that can carry this through. But Les I do not like I did not like Leslie Mansville's portrayal um, as Blanche Wee Boy. <laughs> as basically, she plays like the lady gangster of the Wee Boy clan. Oh. Like, they all answer to Blanche, and she is an yeah. evil, evil twat cunt <laughs> Um, who won't let them, won't let uh, Kevin Costner and Diane Lane see their grandchild. So long story short, after uh, we haven't even I didn't even get to them meeting the Native American man who's very skittish and let them stay at his house after he may have stolen a horse. We don't know, but they they make friends with this Native American kid um, who got kicked out of his Indian school. We don't know why (laughs) he seemed to be very nice, man, a little skittish. Um, so then they decide they got to go kill the wee boys because the wee boys cut off Kevin Costner's fingers oh. in a hotel room with a hatchet. This was the scene. <laughs> this was the scene where I said, literally said, this is the dumbest shit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I just, it was, it was very poorly done. Ah, oh, just, I did not like this movie, man. Looks like a boomer movie from the poster. It's a hundred percent a boomer movie. It's a hundred percent. I would I would recommend this to my uncle. And look, here's the thing: like, we share a lot of interest with movies. Actually, my uncle and I. But I, I think he would like this more than I did. Kevin Costner dies. Uh, he gets shot by Blanche and then burns in the house. <laughs> Diane, Lane, Diane, Lane, oh, there was actually a sweet moment that they tied together with. Um, a horse that she whispered sweet nothing into a horse's ear before Kevin Costner had to shoot the horse in the head. And then they, they turned that into, she had to do the same thing Kevin Costner before he burned the house. They didn't even try to exhume his body from this burning house. They just let him burn in the house. They easily could have drug him out and carried his body back in some sort of fashion back to South Dakota. Just let the man burn. Like, Russell, if, if God forbid... You're in a situation where you're involved in a skirmish with the wee boys, <laughs> okay? And Oksana is shot and dead. 
and you whisper sweet nothings into Oksana's ear, uh-huh. and then you say your goodbyes. Are you letting Oksana sit in this burning house, or are you carrying her out of the house? Oh, I don't know. You have yeah. to get out of the house. You carry her out of the house. Don't let her burn. Mm-hmm. Now, now, the only reason, the only reason why I think this would be an acceptable way for a disposal of a body, if you have already set the agreement that you would like a cremation, because then you can save yourself <laughs> a few bucks. I'm okay with that. Otherwise, if you would prefer a burial, get get him out of there. All right. Well, all right. Am I bleeding from my severed fingers at this time? Yeah, that, that's when I decided to go pee. Oh God! So probably. Got good <laughs> oh, right and there. then of then of course, uh, as you know, the wee boys have a lot of pull in this town. So the sheriff goes while uh, to the hospital to tell uh, Kevin Costner and Diane Lane, uh, "This is wee boy country. Yeah. Uh, y'all don't belong. The wee boys will not be charging, uh, filing charges, even though they chopped up his hand." Also, there was supposed to be an attempted rape scene that was very stupid. <laughs> It's not good, man. Uh, well, now, does the body burning in the house represent a um, severance of like the past or all relation to what they care about? And is it then turned into like a revenge film? Like I've given up on things I give. Oh, a shit it's a about. revenge film. Yeah, but it's 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 just poorly executed. So we get a thumbs down from you. Yeah, a severed thumbs down. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then I got, I, I'm sorry guys, I didn't mean to spend so much time on, on let him go. But, uh, so then I came home and then watched a movie on YouTube that I had previously talked about with Russell, uh, because, um, so with, when on my YouTube, I watch a lot of, uh, football stuff, bikini girls, no bikini girls. That's on the iPad. Jeffrey Donovan and, um, star of Blair Witch Two. Yes, he he was in all he was uh, in three movies I watched yesterday, <laughs> which is wild. Uh, he was not in the movie I want to talk about now. Uh, from nineteen hundred sixty and six. So one something that popped up on my YouTube yesterday was a two minute clip uh, from a movie called Grand Prix, and it was um, a story. It stars uh, James Gardner um, as a Grand Prix driver. That's Formula One in Monaco. And uh, in this scene, he crashes into the Mediterranean Sea. And I thought it was a beautifully done scene. And I was like, what is this movie? How have I never heard of this movie? And uh, so then I wanted to look it up. I immediately saw that it was three hours long. And I decided to <laughs> reevaluate my decision of watching that. Uh, but then I saw that it was on YouTube. I, I had gone to Russ. as like, hey, can you see if you can find this movie? And then while I was talking to him about it, I typed it in YouTube. And the entire movie is there. On YouTube, three hours long, no commercials popped up the entire time. Oh. Yeah. This thing's got like 300,000 views. Probably not monetized. No commercials. Probably get pulled if it was. Yeah. yeah. But it's been there a year, 300,000 views. Uh, so check it out. Because And also, it looked great. You saw a little bit of it. Yeah. No, it looked It, really it looked good. fantastic. Um, it is three hours long. Uh, I, it's a good movie, man. It's a really good movie. The racing scene. Now, this is uh, from uh, John Frankenheimer. Um, who's directed God, everything John Frankensteiner. And if you can remember directed, uh, he came in <laughs> after, um, our boy, um, was kicked off the Island of Dr. Moreau, Richard. Stanley. Oh yeah. So he came in, he ruined the, he was the movie. hired gun for, uh, Island of Dr. Moreau. Now, uh, Russ, can you scroll down a little bit? Go to around. All right. All right. That's good. So in 1966, 
Um, he did Grand Prix. Now he had already made uh, the Birdman of Alcatraz and the Manchurian Candidate, so he had already had a name for himself. And so this is a big movie, man. This is three hours long. It's got an overture. We got a damn intermission, and the racing scenes. In term, this may be the best racing movie there's ever been. I the argument's certainly there, and at this juncture, I would sign off on it. Uh, the racing scenes are fantastic. Now, Randy, you've seen this? So I lied. I found that out after I said that. But I've seen Le Mans, which has okay. also has really good racing scenes. Yeah, Steve McQueen. Now, I, I, I I'll tell you this. Uh, with he, he put a damn camera on the nose of these Grand Prix cars. Yeah. And uh, there, there's no... Look, anytime that you have racing scenes... It's probably in Monaco because it's the most beautiful course there ever is. It's also a very difficult course to drive. And uh, I was looking up um, some trivia there as a part. Russ, can you scroll down to go to the trivia part of this? Because there's a lot of interesting uh, things. You want me to open it up? Yeah, just go to see more. Hoffman. Um, But so uh, with this, uh, James Garner did all of his own driving. Uh, which is crazy. And then he's also six foot two. So they had to rearrange the car where he had no seat (laughs) in these cars. And uh, apparently was a, was a pretty good driver. Um, There's one scene. I want to scroll down here. Scroll down a little bit. There was a part where Frankenheimer, he did a car went on fire. And the crowd's reaction was not good enough for what he wanted. So he set the concession stands on fire to get a good reaction out of the crowd. And then that was filmed. What the fuck? Yeah. Um, the issue with this movie is, does it need to be three hours long? No. But I think movies in 1966 were a very different game than movies now yes That's it was a tea truck he exploded a tea truck uh to get the reaction that he wanted out of that um which is wild and apparently you know you hear you hear crazy things about frankenheimer he was an asshole so uh but man i'll tell you the, the racing scenes on this uh, are fantastic and there there's a lot there's a lot of everything in this three-hour movie mm-hmm. um but just for the racing scenes are fantastic the the actual story is <sighs> It's basically Casablanca with cars. There's a love triangle <laughs> um, that goes on. And James Garner's listed as the star. I'll tell you this. There's a lot of this French guy named Jean-Pierre. He may have more time than James Garner does. And I thought for two thirds of this movie, I was like, they can lose this storyline. But then there's a uh, Jean-Pierre. Yeah. Jean-Pierre. That's the name of the, uh, the, uh, your Kurt Loder is not in this movie. I don't know what page you're on. Oh, Blair Witch Two. <laughs> Kurt Loder's top build on Blair Witch Two. <laughs> oh man. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was still in a uh, trivia. Yeah. So <sighs> Jean Pierre. The the storyline is is not great. Uh, but it's it it's it's good enough. Man, James Garner's great, and. Um, I, I think it's a very good racing movie. The the it looked great. A good racing movie? Yeah. Is that a popular uh genre? Yeah. Uh you should check out Driven. 
uh, starring Sylvester Stallone. You don't remember that movie? Uh, no, that's oh, why I'm looking at it. <laughs> Ready to Thunder? Yeah. No, Driven 2001. I haven't seen Driven now. Driven 2. Well, okay, what, what the hell no, is Driven 218? Driven? What the hell's Days of Thunder? What the hell's Days of Thunder? I told you. You don't remember not. Days of Thunder? Yeah, dude. That's NASCAR. That's fucking. I've never uh, seen it. That's uh, that's Tommy C. Yep. Oh, I remember y'all were very excited about that. It oh, so quickly was from 1980s. Oh, what the hell was that last racing movie? Oh, Ford versus Ferrari. Oh, hey, you bow your head when you mention Ford versus <laughs> Ferrari in this I, house. I loosen my bowels. Solid picture. <laughs> Ford versus Ferrari. <laughs> Ford versus Ferrari. That's a cool That's just for Russell. I know. <laughs> um, man, yeah, honestly, like if you've got three hours to kill, you could kill it worse than um, than with Grand Prix. I I watched every second of it. I was invested. It looked great. It, I'm telling you, the, the transfer on YouTube is is beautiful. <laughs> Honestly, it was it was fantastic, and I, I had a I had a kick with it. <laughs> Three hour movie, but yeah. So Randy, um, I have not seen Le Mans. I would like to see Le Mans, and this is also an interesting story. So, um, Le Mans star Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen was actually next door neighbors to James Garner. Huh. And the and the producers of uh, this movie went to Steve McQueen first. The producer had a bad meeting with Steve McQueen. Did not go well because apparently Steve McQueen is a notorious crazy person. Oh, okay. And so they gave the role to James Gardner. Because of that, Steve McQueen and James Gardner did not speak for four years. Oh, <laughs> damn. And were next door neighbors. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know this and movie then, either. And then Steve McQueen got Le Mans, uh, which was uh, five years later. So I think once he got Le Mans, he calmed down because he really wanted to be in oh. a racing movie. Yeah, I've taken a Le Mans class. So I definitely. <laughs> 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 it's the best joke you've said. Uh, yeah, so uh, Randy, Le Mans is definitely next on the list. Uh, I might have it for you. Oh, you got a, you got a physical copy? Uh Yeah. That's an interesting reaction. <laughs> yeah, it's physical. Let's get physical. <laughs> All right, I definitely want to see it. You got more? That's it. I, right. I talked for like an hour. I know. It was fun. I was enjoying it. I tried. Talking about uh, Sicario boys. and shit. Also, how to with John Wilson. Oh, dude. Russell, can we do that today, please? Can we watch one episode of this show? We can watch one. Randy, what's what's the one we should show him? Uh, I liked this week's yeah. episode, but I didn't like it as much. I think the first one's a good start. First was a good start, but I loved the scaffolding. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I think the scaffolding's like a perfect examination of him. Yeah. Uh, you can have a half-hour show where you only talk about scaffolding. Cool. <laughs> and it'd be very interesting and entertaining. But I, I again, uh, w- every week I'm fine with having a segment talking about how to with John Wilson. <laughs> Same. Um, I it's just it's a great examination of New York. First of all, I I'm Russ. The reason why I want you to watch this is because the editing of this and again, uh, Randy, you would you would you quantify this as faux documentary to some degree? To some degree, yeah. Because it's also, I'd say, if you're if you're humoring a false reality, then it is. 
I think there is some manipulation. Don't you agree, Randy? Uh, I think there probably is, but it also genuine, genuinely feels like he finds weird people and just like follows them down a rabbit hole. The amount of shooting he has to do for this show, I can't even begin. Yeah. To, <laughs> because, and I, and I, I just, I would like to know how, if he writes based on what he shoots mm. or if he shoots based on how he writes. Yeah. Like a documentary, like find the narrative after because the the writing is matches up perfect with these privileged moments that he's able to get is just a part of b-roll and it works so beautifully it's just a joy for to watch every week and i just want to share that with you my friend right all right so we'll watch the scaffolding (laughs) (laughs) all right russell john so excited about it all right wee boy oh it's my turn yeah all right Vertigo, where where skeletal life is known. I remember Halloween. What is all of this? Oh, it's Halloween again, baby. What is <laughs> that? Was my oh god, Randy? Do you know what that was? Uh, no, that was lyrics from Misfits. I remember Halloween. Uh. And, uh, somebody had pinned it into a Mario Maker Two video and uh, thoroughly confused Dashy. Now, he's my favorite YouTuber, and uh, Halloween is weeks removed. Whoa, 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 dude. uh, He's your favorite YouTuber? No, he's my favorite. Over Josh Saunders? Oh, oh, okay. My favorite uh, Let's Play kind of YouTuber. Okay. My favorite personality? I don't know. Josh, he's stressing me out. He needs to pack his shit up and get out of that damn house. You got Jeff in Florida. (laughs) He got evicted. We won't talk about that. Um, Yeah, but somebody pinned fucking Misfits lyrics, and... I was like, I'm going to play this and see if it, uh, if it uh, tickles Randy's uh, behind. <laughs> anyway, I'm still living in a Halloween town. Randy, if the Misfits were on Letterboxd, how many stars? <laughs> uh, probably like four and a half. Ooh, that's Maybe good. four. What about a younger Randy? Would, it, got, would it hit a five? Uh, no, I think I always thought they had some questionable albums, but their, <laughs> early, their early stuff is good. <laughs> Oh, oh, dude, Randy, can you have can you have your own segment called "Questionable Albums" with Randy? <laughs> yeah, I'm down. That's my that's my um, YouTube content. All right, Russ, <laughs> there's more homework for you. Randy's agreed to doing a YouTube show. Wow. Questionable albums. It's with like Randy. it's like Chromags. Chromags have like a couple of really solid albums that are like five stars, but then they have some shit albums. <laughs> dude, uh, our guest this week, um, his brother, who's the DP on all his films. Uh, he was in a hardcore band, and we really missed having you there, Randy. You <laughs> That's like the second time. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, you yeah. miss all our punk rock guests. I dude. know it's it's kind of perfect. Yeah, it's crazy because next week we got Dee Dee Ramon. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I watched. I I jumped on Shutter. I've been in a weird mood, and I, it's so strange that I'm watching a streaming service that I've been paying for for five years and not watching any of. Even when there are movies on there, I tend to watch them in an alternative fashion. Dude, right? It's it's too many. It's so weird. I had to I had to cut Hulu loose, man. Um, see ya. So I went back to a film that uh, I remember was available on VHS in this nice uh, new retro kind of fashion, and it was in a clamshell. And of course, I'm talking about Hack o' Lantern from 1988. <laughs> I'll tell you, I fucking enjoyed the fuck out of this movie. It's got metal exploitation going on. It's got a satanic grandpa with right, a where, pickup truck full of pumpkins. Where did you find it? 
It's on Shutter. Okay. If you want to watch it, I'll watch it again. Also, Clark is eating candy corn as we go. Halloween has not left this house. Although I did throw a pumpkin off our deck. It, I didn't want to watch it die, so I killed it. <laughs> and it well, was very satisfying. Once you carve the pumpkin, they've got, what, two days tops before they get to Moldy well, Town? In California, or I'm sure anywhere south of here. Like, I'm sure if you're up north and it's, like, cold, it's you probably cold get some life. now, baby. Yeah, but in the daytime, we still get weird peaks, like... I don't know. I'm t- I, the weather here has been insane because it's it's yeah. in like the f- upper 40s, 50s now. And, I mean, it's like a Katy Perry song. We're oh. hot and we're cold. <laughs> <laughs> it's mildew or mold. Oh, ooh, I like that. It's hot and we're cold, mildew and mold. Dbd do into this bit. Can I play another bit of yours? Here we go. Here we go. Let me cue it up. It's gonna be loud. You say goodbye, and I say jello. All right. All right. <laughs> Fucking boo. That was a shout out to your favorite comedian, Bill Cosby. That was, that's, so anytime that, all right, we need context here. Anytime that we check levels. So Russell always records a little bit to make sure that the levels are good. And I just say ridiculous shit. And uh, that decided to be a drop. Yeah. Because right. you liked it so much. <laughs> Jello. Anyway, Hack-O-Lantern's fucking great. It's got a family. Um, again, the, the grandfather is trying to convince their oldest son that uh, he belongs to him. And that he, uh, he's he got some bigger plan for him that involves the satanic cult he's running out of his barn. You're talking about the relationship between the grandfather and grandfather's son? Yeah. The, A.K.A. the grandson? Yeah. Okay. The, the eldest of three. Oh. Um. Then, as the movie progresses, uh, we learn that uh, the grandfather may have fathered, sired the boy, oh. as there is a questionable scene where his mom in a wedding dress uh, has a nip revealed as uh, her her father uh, pulls down a strap on her wedding dress. It's really weird. Mm. Everything is played straight. The incest is never really confronted. And the family, shame. the family dynamic is right out of gum, Ohio, as the younger brother is a police officer. The um, the daughter is kind of like, hey, you know, she's just doing her thing. She's kind of liberated and it terrifies her mom. Uh, her best friend uh, bones on top of a grave. Uh, the older brother who turns out to be a loser, like everybody knew he would, has a room that looks very close to mine when I was younger. Now, let's go back. You said bones on top of a grave. What was the scenario on that? Because I have got more information on that. Uh, So actually, the younger brother, the police officer, takes his sister's friend who's uh, known to be a little wild and, in fact, was considered too wild. A little wild? You mean uh, loose a little with a sexual liberation? You know, that's the implication I got. Okay. The way we meet her friend is that she shows up. um, The uh, family's uh, matriarch, uh, the mom, is out gardening. And she says, hey, are you here to see? I can't remember any character names. And she's like, yeah. And she's like, does she know you're coming? She's like, I hope not. I'm going to scare her. So she goes in. Uh, her buddy's in the in the bathtub. And, you know, it's this kind of um, fake. <laughs> you know, women don't really take a bath like this with bubbles and uh, playing with bubbles. And anyway, she's looking for her uh, soap and uh, grabs a little rubber spider and instead of instantly knowing, starts rubbing the spider all over her face. And her friend's like, hi, I got you. And then she's completely naked and it's really weird. So she's a little liberal. Okay. <laughs> but how does this go back to the grave? 
Oh, well, because uh, she takes a liking to the clean cut younger son and he's in town because he's patrolling the Halloween party because there's been weird like Hubie Halloween. <laughs> there's been bodies. Well, I mean, he's actually an officer and people aren't mean to him. Terrible. The only one who's mean to him is his grandfather, who's a Satanist. And uh, the, the boy's just like, hey, you got to you got to stay out of here. And he's like, what's wrong with you, boy? It's pretty good. So I what almost, you're saying is that he's a bad grandpa. Oh, he's a bad grandpa. <laughs> But he's got a badass pickup full of pumpkins. Oh, what kind of pickup? He, he I don't know. He gives uh, the oldest Shame. a uh, pentagram necklace early on, too. Yeah. Dude, it's so good. Anyway, the uh, younger ends up abandoning his post at the party and drives off on his motorcycle with the girl. And uh, he's only got one helmet and he wears it. And I oh, remember being like, what the fuck? That is not courteous. That's not a good look. Anyway, they go to the uh, graveyard where bodies have been uh, recently dug up and they see a bunch of like clearly little kids fucking around. So he's sneaking up on them while holding hands with this girl, draws his gun, jumps up from behind a tree and says, what the hell's going on? And they're like, oh, we dropped our candy. We're just picking it up. And it's like, yeah, we all knew that. And he's like, well, get out of here, you little rascals. And they're like, OK. And then uh, they bone on a grave. Now. <laughs> Also, I'll tell you this. It's a little important, even though not really to the story. They're on top of a mound. They're doing it. And uh, she's holding a hand that's coming out of the dirt. And she's like, you're really cold. He's like, don't worry. I'll warm up. But he's clearly got his hand on her butt. <laughs> he's holding hands with the corpse. And, and then they just are done and move on. Now, one of my favorite movies of all time. The Shining. Robocop. Besides Robocop. (laughs) From 1967, one year after the release of Grand Prix. Oh, can I guess? From what? The Parse people. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, From Norman Jewison is In the Heat of the Night. Excuse me? Oh, okay. And In the Heat of the Night. In the Heat of the Night. um, There is a a young girl um, who is carrying the baby of a sheriff's deputy okay because she said she was seduced by him in the graveyard oh and and he said what are y'all doing hanging out in the graveyard um fucking and and she said (laughs) that you know they did it on the tombstone and she said what why were you going in the tombstone she said because it's the coolest place in town that what? you feel that that cool tombstone on your naked back. Oh, really? In they... the heat is the coolest spot in town. What is this movie? I need to get a clip from. In the heat of the night. In the cold moonlight? Oh, it's got it's got my boy, Rod Steiger's in it. Really? Oh my god, it's my favorite. That's one of my favorite movies. I know the laws of the state of Mississippi. Thank you. So it's RoboCop and In the Heat of the Night. I'm telling you right now, if I only saw two <laughs> movies the rest of my life on loop, I'm fine with those two, baby. Never show me another wee boy as long as I live. What about a wee man? Back in. Love the wee man. Love a wee man, not a wee boy. What about wee boy to men? Wee boy? Who is a wee boy? If you're a wee boy, email us at (laughs) overlooktheater.com. Anyway, the oldest son, uh, he's your um, perfect stereotype of like a metalhead who's got like a bench in the corner. It's not an Olympic bench press, by the way. It is very 
weird looking. He's got like random scattered posters. He's got like a poster of Elvira and it's clearly like below uh, the ground. So it's all cement walls and he's fucking toxic masculinity in all the right ways. And uh, he has a dream. He puts on headphones. He dreamed a dream of time gone by. He's rebelling against his mom. So he puts on headphones so he can't hear her, even though he's clearly like 42. (laughs) And he's got a tank top. He's laying on his bed and he falls asleep to a cassette. And he has a dream that he's like playing guitar in this metal band. Oh, dude, it's fucking cringy and beautiful and. Metal exploitation. I know Hackle Lantern. Uh, I think that's going to be in my regular rotation. Although I'll tell you, 1988, they were still in the uh, a way to make money is to show a lot of boob. Yeah, and uh, now it's, it's kind of like oh, c- c- speed it up. Like it's things have changed. I mean, yeah. when they're branding the girl with the pentagram on the butt, boobs, that's fine. Boobs aren't in anymore, dude. <laughs> boobs are out. Uh, they're just not, you know, popular. Not, that's not even true. Boobs are out, dicks are in. Okay, that is true. For film, yeah. I, and there is, uh, oh, there's a, dude, there's a moment in the third act where you can feel they were trying to stretch it out, and that dude starts doing bits in the middle. Like, he runs outside, and he's like, hey, do y'all, y'all missed a stripper? And they're like, huh? Like, it's a bunch of cuts of, like, random crowd. Yeah. He's like, dude, that girl, she came in there. She's getting naked. She's doing things. And he, it's like, what's happening? <laughs> and then there's, like, five minutes of him doing bits. Not even related to the no movie. No pussa. He's like, dude, don't do that callback. Because I will <laughs> gladly pull that. But he's just like, did y'all hear about the turkey? He's like, <laughs> he starts doing. And it's like, what, are, what the <laughs> fuck? Dude, I'm going to have to pull it. Okay, anyway, I yeah, I got to close the book on that. I know I feel like we're going long. Um I went long today, I apologize. Honestly, I haven't watched a lot of movies. That's probably Russell, the only one. Uh, now admittedly, Russell and I have not been able to watch a movie this week. Um our schedule was uh yeah, thrown. It, it's only getting more fucked too. I I want to do more stuff. I want to put out more content. I'm trying to come forward with a uh YouTube push. We can watch something today. We can't. My mom's trying to get me to come over. Uh, I forget why. Oh, my sister's going to like fucking Utah to help open up an in and out restaurant. Oh, really? Yeah. I knew you'd huh. be into that. Nice. I knew you would be. <laughs> well, that's big. It's the first time uh, we I don't believe we have a Utah location. I, I think it's Utah. I remember uh, trying to scare her about like Mormon cults or something. Are there Ooh. Idaho locations or are they just going to skip Idaho? It might be Idaho. Guys, I, don't know. I think. It's just California, Nevada, Arizona, and Texas. Yeah, my my family's big in the in and out. Uh, both of my younger sisters work for the corporation, and uh, Randy and I are big fans. You know what? I absolutely hate to say it. Um, Megan, she listens to the show, and I remember years ago telling her, "I know you want to go to the big fancy college. You want to spend a lot of money. You want to get dual degrees in linguistics and uh." Uh, what Japanese? I know you got your Bay Area. That's a little hack, but I was like, the thing is, In and Out, they they pay a lot of money. They, they treat you all good, and by the time you come out, I don't know if you want to want to pursue that stuff. And I think they're making, you know, they're paying her pretty good. And once you start getting up to like managing a place, oh, yeah. I think you're you're making a lot Six of money. figures. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like fucking college i don't we don't need to talk look about if, if you if you don't get run out by the restaurant industry you know if you, you stay in it but that's the thing man it's a tough go 
Oh, fucking restaurants. So but from from all, from everything I've I've heard of, you know, the uh, structural organization of In and Out and how they I know that they treat their employees oh, well. Yeah. I've heard nothing but but good things about that and you can tell because it's the same thing with Chick-fil-A. Take all <laughs> you want to out of the Chick-fil-A conversation, but what I'm telling you is I've been to Chick-fil-A many 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 times. Never <laughs> never have I had a bad experience at a Chick-fil-A. They've never gotten an order wrong. Oh. It's they're always nice. They got their shit together. Oh. They got their shit together at In and Out. I've never had an order get messed up at In and Out. I'm not saying that oh, it doesn't that's, happen. That's true. But they are efficient. I think I think you're correct. It's there. the efficiency and they're nice. Have you ever had an asshole uh take your order at In and Out? No. I've seen outrageous people order at In and Out. Yes. I've seen nightmare. And they shit. just take I'm I've yeah. got nothing but good things about putting in <laughs> religious dogma with fast food because it works. We're two for two. Except we do it out here in the Bay Area. You may notice their traffic tends to spill out into the roadways. Oh, and man. that's a little. Uh... I'll tell you, I, I have gotten involved in <laughs> one gnarly, gnarly in an outline. And this was a few months ago when it was 100 degrees. Oh, no. And I had nothing else to do because it was burning up in this fucking house. Yeah. So I was like, all right, I got a three-hour Joe Rogan. <laughs> uh, I've got air conditioning in my car. Hell and yeah. so let's wait in this line for oh. an hour and a half. Yeah. And I did. And you didn't regret it? No, not at all. Had a milkshake for the first time in and out. Oh. Fair. No, not great. It, they're really not. Not a fan of the fries, not a fan of the shakes. I take the fucking burger. I, 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 the fries. I, I'm some days I'm okay with nah, it. Never. If I throw a little bit salt, I can handle it. Everyone, those fucking people, you're like, oh, you got to get them animal style. You're lying to yourself. You're just eating fucking mush at that. That point. is true. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with you there, but it does help. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, look, if we're talking fries, it's five guys fries. It's not even close. Five guys win. Five guys has got the best fries in the game. Tell me I'm wrong. Hashtag Stephen Crowder. Look, now we're we're at an hour and thirty. That's and nice. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, nice. I'm telling. You, I tried so hard to taper my shit down, and then we start talking about fast food and we boys <laughs> and we boys and uh, yeah. Um. Anyway, I'm out of films to talk about. I do want to recommend, or I'll at least mention, I watch Mandalorian. Still love the show. Have you watched a new season? Yeah, I won only episode one. How good two. was episode one? It's great. It's so good. I've been in already three arguments about it as Star Wars fans are fucking cannibals and you can't please them all. You just fucking can't do it. And I, as a contrarian, I understand, understand I can be fucking annoying when it's like, this thing's made for you. Why don't you love it? Like, um, what was that fucking metal exploitation film? It was like Gorgasm or some shit or death fucking Deathgasm. I hated that fucking movie. And I knew I knew there were people who were like, oh, you loved it, right? It was so good. I'm like, I actually fucking hated that film. I'm not that with Star Wars. I love it. I'm not joking. Three brutal arguments about how oh, it's contrived. Oh, they're ruining the Western genre. The fuck kind of how? commentaries? I don't know. The show cannot be any better I, than I what know, it is. It's really good. Um, also, the score, man. And I've and been watching, watching another show that uh, is also Western, The Good Lord Bird. Yes. I'll I mean, tell you, I, I fucking love The Good Lord Bird. How, how far into are you? I think three episodes. Okay. I just subscribed to Showtime so I could watch this. 
and I wanted to finish the Comedy Store documentary. Okay. Um, I'm two episodes in. I don't know if I can finish it. I, I mean, look, I, I just... Mike Binder's doing it. Mike Binder's a filmmaker, and he was a former comedian. I've got nothing but respect for Mike Binder, but I think that the structure of the Comedy Store documentary is stupid. Oh, is it a labor? <laughs> it's not bad. It's... I mean, it's not. it's not... It's just unorganized. I don't <laughs> understand the structure of how he's tying all these yeah. things together. Take your fucking cues from in and out. He's, he's stretching it out <laughs> to six episodes, six hours of this, and I just, I don't like how it's done. Eh, yeah. Anyway. And then it's like, Clark's watching it, and we're all like... I don't see Clark. Oh, maybe he's still sleeping. <laughs> What's fair? It's a snooze fest. Right. Anyway, the good Lord Bird, Ethan Hawke, this is his show. He stars in it. He fucking wrote it. Um, he plays a uh, abolitionist, John Brown, who uh, I, I've heard that many people from the South grow up learning about him over here in California. I didn't. Um, I'm so into like history and political stuff. And there's so many parallels here. Uh, John Brown is kind of a um, anti-slave dude. He's an abolitionist, but he's also got a lot of like Che Guevara in him. And he's looking for a bad time. And he kills people he doesn't give a fuck and ethan hawk plays this over-the-top character but it's it's so good and you i i'm curious to see why ethan hawk wanted to make this but uh you can tell he's fucking passionate about it we'll find out next week when we talk to ethan hawk <laughs> yeah <laughs> no it's fucking good and um and I, I love the controversial uh war heroes because usually you get people who push boundaries or, you know, shed blood for what they think is right. Sure. And normally if you zoom out, you're like, you're a fucking maniac. Like if it wasn't this cause that history has aligned itself with, you'd be a, you know, a murderer or like a villain or like that cool dude in Australia who had the fucking um, like full metal armor. Craig and, Anderson? No. What was his name? He walked down the street and he had a shotgun. Oh, up there. Ned Kelly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Mick you know Jagger. what I mean? Yeah, Mick Jagger. <laughs> I heard he had moves like Jagger. We got that up on the wall. Yep. The, the laser disc. I've like, never seen that movie. We should watch it. All right, let's do it. All right, let me let me after think. John Wilson. Yeah. Um The Good Lord Bird. Randy, have you watched it at all? No, I hadn't even heard of it, but I'm interested now. I like Ethan Hawking pretty much anything. Um just watch like just give a dip your toe in the first episode. Oh boy. Uh, there's a great scene in a barber and you kind of get a perfect little um, sampling of where Ethan Hawke goes in this shit. Hmm. Also, in episode two, if you were ever curious of what it might look uh, for somebody to be blown up with a Civil War era cannon, uh, your question will be answered. <laughs> I, I know about that. bro. Oh, we got David Diggs and Raphael Casal in here from uh, Blind Spotting. Yeah. Oh, I am. Um, I'm in. You know, yeah, it, uh, Randy, I, I recommend it to you. It's cool and it's poignant. Oh, we got and, Wyatt Russell. And again, we're not, we're not putting the message before the movie here. We got Steve Zahn in this, bro. You're burying <laughs> the lead, You know, dude. I just, I, I, I don't know if it's a strength or a weakness, but I don't Steve see. Steve Zahn is a strength. I think it helps my immersion that I'm like fucking face blind to actors. Anyone from Saving Silverman is a strength except for the lead who is okay. unbearable so top <laughs> top three we got robocop in the heat of the night and saving silverman oh my god saving right. silverman's good all right i'm good all right 
uh, stay tuned for the interview, which we will throw uh, very quickly to you right now. Not happy with that sentence. <laughs> but what I am happy with is how this interview came together. Uh, we talk about it um, up top. As if you remember a few weeks ago, um, Madeline was here. We were talking about the movie festival Nightstream, which we uh, participated in. Um, one of the films that we watched is called My Heart Can't Beat Unless oh, You Tell It To. You fucking now, had it pulled up. Of course I did. I know. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we were a little, uh, we were very frank about our um, opinion of this. Now, none of us uh, dislike this movie. <laughs> Now, what we did do in this interview is throw Madeline under the bus, and we will continue to do so because she's a dead woman. In what fact, difference does it matter? That's how she died. Yes. <laughs> she did. <laughs> this is the bus that killed her. Um, so so what happened, and, and Russ does a good job of explaining uh, how we got uh, Jonathan uh, to be on the show, is that, and Jonathan explains in the interview, that we were the first podcast that he has listened to talking about this movie because we saw the world premiere so and we were very early about uh there was no embargo on it so we covered it immediately and he listened to the interview he listened to the review um and he also saw madeline's letterbox review uh that she put on there and it was not the most positive review and so he was telling his brother about it and then when he pulled it back up she had changed <laughs> she had changed it because she knew that the director had commented on um her review of this so we get into all that uh jonathan is a a great guy and uh, a very talented filmmaker that we are very excited to to see uh the rest of his work and um please stay tuned for that there's a, a great talk all right Rush, you got anything? Um, to surmise, what you thought? Uh, what do you think about the interview? Well, so he he commented on our episode on Podbean. Now, I know all of you listeners out there realize how hard it is to get on Podbean because otherwise you'd all be commenting and liking and helping the algorithm, and you know we'd be living in a mansion in L.A. and moving to Texas because we'd be the kings of podcast. And uh, that's not happening because I know podcast. Bean Podbean is difficult. Anyway, he figured it out and left a comment. And I knew right there, I went, oh, this guy's going to be fucking cool. He was going to be chill. And uh, I was right. He was. Great talk. And uh, yeah, so stay tuned for that. And that's it. Enjoy the rest. All right. Of- Have a great Friday, you motherfucker. <laughs> we release on Thursday. I know. Yeah, Jonathan, you're you're the coolest motherfucker. The conditions under which we're talking, I don't know if I'm. Uh, it's so weird because on this <laughs> on this show, I am an enthusiast and I'm kind of like a shameless one, and I'm a cheerleader. And most of the critiques and criticism that I get is that I am like people think I'm like hamming it up or I'm overselling something. And the thing is, when I watch a movie, I really try to make the perfect environment so we can sit there quietly and I pay attention. And, uh, I mean, I've taken, like, three film courses. I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) But, ultimately, I'm just a fan. And you reached out. I think you... He's not the first guest to reach out. But you're definitely... You're one we had to talk about. Now, 
we we saw your film on uh, Nightstream, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, I believe this the, our our epic here started when Madeline left a review. Madeline is uh, she's one of the co-founders of the Unnamed Footage Festival with us. She's also a contributor to the website when we used to care about that more, and she's a semi-regular guest on the show. Also. A friend. Oh, and a friend. <laughs> and she also died, so R.I.P. She's also And um, she left a Letterboxd review, and then I believe you liked it. Did you comment on it? I think I did, yeah. Yeah, and then she went, oh my god, the director saw it. I need to make it nicer. <laughs> and I went, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I was like, on top of that, I, I believe what you said was completely just like, hey, thanks. Like, it was totally polite and chill. And I'm like, hey, an honest review I think is worth more. Then somebody yeah. like lying to you, and she went, "Oh, I already changed it." I went, "Okay, <laughs> yeah. fine." You know, I noticed that I noticed that I read it, and then I I showed my brother, who's the the DP of the movie, and then it changed. I'm like, "Wait a minute, why is it <laughs> is it nicer now?" <laughs> yeah, and then so I gave her shit about that because I'm like, dude. Don't, you know, just be honest with people. I, I believe, you know, you learn something about uh, the other person when they're willing to tell you the truth. And then, you know, I called her out on the fucking show, which she blushed, but it's fine. Yep. And then she died and went pale again. And uh, Well, she blushed because she, she has a skin disorder. <laughs> but then we went in and we talked <laughs> about it. And, uh, I, you know, I was conflicted. When you left a comment on the show, I suddenly felt like Madeline. And I was instantly worried that we had misrepresented ourselves. And I'm like, no, you know, again, to, to open up with, um, uh, oh, my God, I can't remember the name again, which was one of the bits we were doing. Uh, my heart <laughs> can't beat unless you tell it to. Great. I, I nailed it. Okay. Also, it. <laughs> last week on the podcast, uh, Clark belittled me. For not knowing the difference between T-O-O and T-O. Because you are a 35-year-old man. So, Jonathan, the real reason you're on this show is, can you explain it to me? Now, in, in the sentence that is the title of your movie, I thought it would have been T-O-O. Why would it be T-O-O? Uh, because I... I that I is mean... a semantically null sentence. <laughs> I blame the public education system of California. Now, T-O-O is like also? Now, first of all, this is a movie yeah. title. If this was a sentence, that would be a grammatically incorrect sentence okay. because you're not supposed to end sentences and prepositions. Okay. I, I do remember that from your okay. scolding. Thank you. Jonathan, help me out here. <laughs> it is a T-O. It is, yes. That's from, that. those are actually lyrics from from a song that we, you know, I'm not, I'm not really good at coming up with titles, so I came up, we, we, borrowed some lyrics from a song and have the longest fucking title ever <laughs> but it is a to there yeah too makes no sense <laughs> Russell. anyway john that we had to have you on here because the fact that you're just like you were you were hanging out and you were putting up with our bullshit and you're still willing to talk it's like you clearly are the coolest motherfucker ever and to be fair i think what we talked about it i just pulled it up what fucking episode did we talk about this film? Uh, also, it was on 214. To be fair, it's not like... I know, we weren't crushing it. Yeah, we didn't hate the fucking movie. I like the movie. Now, I do I do feel like I should explain like myself. the truck. <laughs> Man, the truck. I'm going to tell you something right now, Jenna. That's a good truck. Dude, I was... Mm-hmm. So when we were downstairs, and I'm like, well, here's an interesting conversation. One, we talk about films, but we like doing interviews because we like talking to people who make films. And a lot of the time, you know... 
horror movies, especially indie ones, just get lost on Amazon Prime now. And I feel like we're unearthing like these interesting people who, knock on wood, have almost unanimously been cool. We almost every guest we've had has been really rad. So we're both excited to have you here and just talk to you. But the yeah. fi- the film's not released. Is there is there another um film fest you're playing? Yeah. Or? So what's the what's the life of uh you know parading a movie around and you know this very complicated <laughs> festival time? Yeah. So we were supposed to world premiere at Tribeca in April, mm. and then that was like one of the first. You know, I believe after <clears throat> right after South by Southwest, we were the next fel- festival in line that got uh, postponed. And then we've played, uh, we've played in Shanghai, we've played in Europe, and we've actually had a lot of physical screenings out there. Oh, we wow. played in at uh, Sieges, and that was physical. We played um, Motel X. Right now we're playing in Brazil, and we're playing, um, we played Celluloid Screams recently. Sheffield, but it's it's been it's been good, you know. I I obviously haven't flown out to any of these things, but I've tried to connect, just like I tried to connect with you all. I've mm-hmm. been you know googling the name and and finding what people are tweeting about because I'm just trying to connect as much as possible. It's been much of a grassroots approach, you know. We we couldn't really get a publicist amidst all this Corona stuff, so it's been me and my brother. And the producers just trying to reach out and make connections with people to get on podcasts or anything. Now, you mentioned that your brother's the DP of the film, and I, I do see that. You know, so this is your first feature, uh, but uh, the shorts that you've done, uh, have you worked with your brother before, you know, as sort of a creative team? Yeah, on every short, yeah. We've, we've done, we started doing shorts in 2013, and it was just us two really just eating shit with a camera with a bunch of friends and it kind of scaled up a little bit every time but it's been us together the whole time and i mean he's almost like another director we yeah. we kind of have this relationship where we just know what the other what the other one wants and it's very very good relationship on set so how how did that whole did did you guys start shooting stuff as kids Kind of, but only like one or two things, but it was more, he comes from a music background mm-hmm. and I, I come from drawing comics, like bad comics just by, with my friends in elementary school. And then I did creative writing in high school, but I, I never really did video production until college, which is when we both started studying filmmaking. That's where I learned everything about camera and editing and all that. So you, as an illustrator, are you, are you a uh, storyboard guy? No, I suck at, <laughs> at proportions. <laughs> I, I just draw anything that comes into my head, but I can't really portray a shot because I'm just not good at proportions or angles. I'm I'm with you. I, I all that math shit. I just can't wrap my head around. Now, now, where did the um uh inspiration for shooting in three four come from? Four three. Four three. Three fours of defense. <laughs> Three defensive well, linemen, four linebackers. Thanks for yeah, explaining we, that. We wanted to. We were originally going to shoot one six six, which crops the left and right just a little bit, kind of like the the witch they shot in that ratio. Mm. Um, but we just decided to go all the way with it, and 
kind of lock these characters in. They're already stuck in this claustrophobic situation. And we just thought, you know, especially with the way we were shooting it, it would fit the, the story to kind of box them in and further box them in shooting through doorways and windows. And we were kind of limiting the frame as much as possible to give the characters as little space physical space in the frame and we thought it was interesting to to play with that no it's beautiful it's a beautiful pairing because this is a claustrophobic story you know we're all trapped in this nightmare together with this you know sick kid who's you know spoiled as i'm gonna say right now he's a little bit spoiled okay i i just (laughs) i would have killed that kid a long time ago okay (laughs) The one that you keep calling Tim Lincecum? He looks just like Tim Lincecum. <laughs> he does. <laughs> and there's, I, yeah, I was the only one um, who uh, has any sort of sports knowledge of when we were watching the movie, and I was like, this kid looks just like Tim Lincecum. I knew who you were talking about. Oh, you didn't. You had to go. He I, does look like a Culkin brother, too. And, and it's funny because we wanted, we were thinking of Rory Culkin at one point for the character, too. Damn. Yeah, I Man, Jonathan, you you're an interesting filmmaker. And I now that you mentioned shooting through door frames and in uh, claustrophobic hallways, it to- your film totally reminds me of Ali Firit's The Soul. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. Yeah, that movie was a conscious attempt at feeling claustrophobic and looking at like social dynamics and um right. it it was also very dimly lit. Like I, there's a warmth that you find indoors when uh, we're using like lamp lighting. Now, you're talking about your brother coming from a music music background. Yes. I now I remember my letterboxed review. I I it was something along the line of I don't know what that piano game they were playing was, but I loved watching it. That was your review. Yeah, it was mine. <laughs> I said that I I remember commenting on that. I'm like, this is the best review we've gotten so far. <laughs> Really? Wait, so how has the reception been? Um, well, it was my favorite review actually. Perfect. We've gotten, you know, we've gotten mixed feedback. There's been a lot of good reviews and and some bad ones, but that was just my favorite one because that piano game was special to me cuz I I used to play on this organ with my younger brother and we would just create these stupid games like uh create our own songs and and I think we even played some sort of rendition of that game where you have to play a song and then guess what year it was written in. But that I don't know why. I just I I thought that aspect like you you mentioning that aspect was was nice to me because it's a small detail, but Well, okay. Now, I remember the major critique I had of the film is that it's beautiful. It demands attention. Like what all elevated genre people want. And it it seems to have like such an intelligence there, except unlike the witch, it's not constantly referring to some tome left over in Europe. And it's, it doesn't boast like we've done heavy research into this folklore and we know more than you. And if you watch and pay attention, now you can tell your friends that you know more than them. And it yet for like a casual audience, there's not, I feel like it demands attention without building a lot of lore. And I thought that piano scene almost harked that they might be actually ancient. For the record, Russ was not a piano. It was a, what was it? It was an electric. It's like an organ. It was an organ. Yeah. And that's what I mean. The piano is the. I understand these are two separate instruments. You have to know that. And 
Yeah, I don't. It it almost reminded me of um, only lovers left alive, like we're dealing with like ma- very modern um, vampires who are trying their best to live in the now, <laughs> even though they're yes. creatures of the past. Yeah, and I just remember I I bit onto that so hard because I'm like, what the? Also, how the hell are you and your brother playing that game? Are you like virtuosos? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a version of that, so we were kind of just bullshitting and playing anything and we were it was really just messing around we weren't playing anything real trust me it it didn't sound good but it was (laughs) it was fun um yeah i mean we we didn't we didn't go much into the lore and i it's not that i didn't want to um it's not that i was embarrassed to make a vampire film i i love vampire fiction i I took a vampire fiction class in college so it was fun to subvert these these uh little tropes like inviting you have to be invited in as a vampire so i wanted to flip that around and the he invites the kid inside instead and and the lack of reflections and um of course the blood but we didn't have fangs we didn't mention the word vampire um there was just a decision to treat it more as an illness and stick with the situation that the family was dealing with instead of going a more supernatural route. Yeah. Now, Johnny, let's, let's back up here. You said you took a vampire fiction (laughs) class in college by accident because we didn't know that it was, it was one of those like literature from this date to this date, one of those classes. And when I go in, there's like 10, 10 people there. And the, the professor's like, hey, this is only one semester that we're doing this. And it's called Vampire Fiction. And I was like, holy crap, this is amazing. <laughs> and some people dropped the class. I'm like, why would you ever drop this class? But it was it was very cool, very cool class. Where did you go to college? Miami-Dade College. Okay. It's uh, here in Miami. And they, they, the film school is... It's not new, new, but it's relatively new. I, I believe it's like less than ten years old, and, and it was a very great school, which is actually where I made the thesis film that was the proof of concept for the feature. Gotcha. Now, making a vampire film um, when you're treating the lust more as an addiction and not supernatural. Did that turn, like, does Martin, like George Romero's Martin, turn into more an inspiration or an obstacle? You know, the funny thing is I've never seen Martin. <laughs> okay, cool. I, I had suspected that because I don't, I don't know if anybody, it's like well-treaded territory, kind of, except yes. that no, a lot of people still have not seen that film. You champion it. And it's very different. Yeah. It's a very different movie. Um, You've recommended it to me because I'm not uh, so much a a champion of the vampire. Yeah, it's a highbrow uh, tread into. I love vampire. Fright Night. Although I'll tell you, um, Jonathan's film it looks much better. Um, fucking Martin looks like it was shot by like a young George Romero. <laughs> and it's actually it reads kind of comic booky. Well, if we, I mean, Ooh. Romero can't see very well. He's got those giant fish tank glasses, and he's six feet under. So <laughs> and that. <laughs> You know, I thought I, for the longest time, I don't know why, I thought that Martin was a zombie movie until a few years ago. I, I mean, realized it wasn't. Uh, you know, that's I, a fair I, I guess. Love, uh, <laughs> I love uh, Let the Right One In. I love Thirst, the Korean one. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, yeah. I haven't seen Lovers Left Alive either. 
Oh. Tony Lovers Left Alive. Interesting. I would say your film falls somewhere in between Martin and Only Lovers Left Alive. Now, Mm. uh, the, the reason... Oh, man. So we play, like, curators to a... Uh, a group of people who are film fans and they kind of fall in between like worshiping a 24 and digging through Amazon prime. And I, yeah, I, th- I think your film just lands like right in the middle. And, um, mm. you know, we, we were rewatching it this morning and I, I don't think watching it in the middle of Nightstream did it any justice either. Cause we're both sitting there and we're like, we're like, how did we not champion a film whose opening line is, I'm not going to suck your dick? <laughs> <laughs> That's right up our alley. <laughs> but well, al- it's also kind of a nod to the vampire genre. And that, yeah. <laughs> you know Where's what it is? Lost? We, because we, I think this was the second movie of the day that we had watched. And we had just, we opened up the day with Pelican Blood and it kicked our ass so hard and we were just uh drained emotionally and, and jonathan you'll learn once you're a guest on here and we get to talk to you we we become cheerleaders for our fans and we had talked to katrine before and we were highly anticipating that when we watched it and we went into yours and uh, yeah i just we're sitting down here now with almost like a new appreciation for it and i'm almost like i still want to come in i can't like come in with my knee pads on because if I do that, I'm going to look like a fucking cop out. Well, long story <laughs> short, here's what we say. This is all Madeline's fault. There we go. I mean, I, I praised, I praised that truck from day one. Yes, he did. I, as I have a, a fondness of, of, uh, you know, Fords and Chevys from the, uh, yeah, late nineties, early two thousand. Yeah. Can, can we get your thoughts on the truck, Jonathan? <laughs> you know, I'm not even much of a car person. That was my that was our producer. Shout out to Jesse Brown. That's his truck. He's like, "Hey, I have a cool truck uh, up in the ranch. I'm going to bring it down for you all." And I'm and then I saw it. I'm like, "Yeah, it's good." <laughs> that was that that that's the extent of it. You can ride that truck until the the sea is boiled by the sun. All right, that the Chevy 1500 is going to be here till the day's done. But so <laughs> that rhyme too. Good job. <laughs> uh, so did y'all? Now, did I see this? You shot this in Salt Lake City? Yes. How how did that yeah. all happen? So our producer, our lead producer, Kenny Riches, he's from Salt Lake, but he was living in Miami. And my brother and I, we, we kind of just liked working on every movie that we had the opportunity to work on. It didn't matter what position. So on Kenny's film, on his because he's also director, on his third feature... My brother was like, hey, can I work on your film? Can we work on your film? And Kenny's like, all right, all right, damn it. You can work on the film. So then we worked on the film, and we got really close to Kenny. It turns out that he was partners with this guy named Matt Wiggum, who was looking to invest in first-time filmmakers with his company, Duelist. So the Duelist company was Kenny and Matt, and they were based in Salt Lake City. And... We just thought it made sense because they were based there. All the producing team was there, but also the you know the locations were very fitting. The weather was very fitting. Yeah, I think it, it kind of suited the story to have this cold and gray feeling with the mountains in the background, and you know the architecture of the houses is different there, and that was very specific. We needed a very specific house for these characters, and I, th- I just think it fit more than what Miami had to offer. Yeah, it's a very it'd be a very different story. I mean, just visually yes. alone. 
And then I, but again, I, I think that because the visual storytelling is so strong in this movie that, yeah, the whole narrative would be changed a hundred percent. Right. It wouldn't be as gloomy for sure. A hundred percent. You see palm trees outside and yeah, because, because <laughs> it can be gloomy in Miami, but it gloomy Miami is different than gloomy Salt yeah. Lake City. Like gloomy Miami, I think of like, um, oh, what's the, what's the documentarian, uh, uh Billy Corbin? Billy yeah. Corgan, yeah, I get I get Corbin and Corgan mixed up. <laughs> You're right. Um, sure. Yeah. So anytime he makes like a backyard wrestling uh, movie in, in uh, dog Miami, fight. yeah, dogfight, dogfight was great. Yeah, Billy yeah. Corbin. Yeah, he's a good filmmaker. Yeah, I think you know when when you see gloomy here, you think of impending doom. You just think there's a hurricane coming or something. Mm. All right, now, Jonathan. It, you've got the most credits in the editing department, and here we love an editor, especially when you're editing nonfiction. And I, I'd love to hear you talk about it. Like we deal with found footage horror. I'm not gonna. I apologize to everybody listening, <laughs> but I, in when you're building a narrative out of usually so much footage, it's really in the editor's hand, and you really get to craft the story. Now I haven't seen either. But goddamn, man, you're working with some gloomy topics here. Can you talk a little bit about how you got attached to JoJo? That was a project that it was a friend from film school who was just interested in the House of Healing, which is a this organization that helps these kids with autism on the spectrum, and it was it was just a very nice experience. And he needed help, so my brother shot it, and I. that was a while ago. And I don't even know if House of Healing is still around, but I might be wrong, and sorry if I am. But, uh, yeah, I just I cut it, and it was a short doc. But, yeah, it was, it was kind of just us, again, you know, being eager to work on stuff. And we didn't – it's not that we didn't care what we worked on, but as far as me, I just wanted to – work on my craft and, and work on visual storytelling. And I think editing is just like you're saying, it's very involved in the narrative storytelling just as much as directing is, you know? Oh yeah. Now it's a short documentary. How much um, footage were you working with? Um, it was, it was a good amount from what I remember, but we had a uh, very specific threads that we wanted to use. So, not much B-roll, which I like too. And that's kind of the way that I storyboard is I kind of go in already editing in my head. You know, I know how the scene's going to play out. And as far as this feature, I didn't cut it because I, I, I wanted to discipline myself and give myself some distance. So we got TJ Nelson, who's a fantastic editor. And, um, but I sat with him for the whole assembly of this feature and it went pretty quickly just because there wasn't much extra footage. Like, there's not that much that we cut out of the movie. Okay, and then then you went on to work on another drama, uh, the Awakening of Fairies. Yes. Yeah. Can you talk? That ta- was uh, that one was pretty heavy, and <laughs> but it was a, a beautiful story about women's struggles and and the way that they overcame them. And it was it was that one was a lot of interviews. And some some more abstract B-roll, so that was fun to play around with. But um, that uh, the director, she just she just reached out. She's actually a journalist. She does a lot of interviews with filmmakers too. But she wanted to 
try her hand at directing a documentary and she uh, somehow she found my information and and I was on board and yeah it was it was a good experience now what was the runtime on that one I believe it was like under it was under 15 minutes must have been like 12 were were the um interviews long maybe 5 minutes each but i i could be wrong it could be a little longer okay yeah sorry i didn't mean to like just conjure up these uh, older films okay. i'm just i'm always fascinated by documentarians and like editing the footage especially documentary is a term that carries such weight and when you're representing yes. people's stories it's like you got to be really careful and i i don't know i feel like that informed your film in a way just the heavy domestic themes throughout your your uh non-fiction vampire story <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, we are very, you know, I love documentaries and I'm very inspired even by photographers like Gregory Crudson is, he kind of just looks at, objectively, he looks at domestic life and and the truth behind it. It's not always glitz and glamour and he photographs people who look sick and who look tired and I guess it's it's a little bit miserable, but there's there's a beauty behind that misery at the same time. Now, who are you inspired by? What are what are some filmmakers you look to? I love Chan Wook Park and Bong Joon Ho. I think Korean cinema is amazing. Don't talk about uh, Bong Joon Ho. We, we just <laughs> recently watched uh, Memories of Murder for the first time. Yeah, fantastic. Oh man, I absolutely loved. It. I I think that, I think it may be my favorite of his. I I'm I I love him so much, but his English language films just don't quite do it for me. Mm. And I'm not sure. I I don't know. I I think maybe it's just um, the the translation of humor. I I think because right. like Oakja was just a little bit too over the top for me. And then I, Snowpiercer just did not do it for me. He at all. talked shit about Snowpiercer for the better part of a year. Man, I, I don't know. <laughs> but for whatever reason, Snowpiercer just rubbed me the wrong way. And we saw Memories of Murder three weeks ago, and he's been talking about that movie. Can't stop talking about it. <laughs> I saw Possessor last night, and I'm completely blown away by oh, it. Oh, man. Yeah, we, 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 I think we saw it uh, illegally uh, many months oh, yeah. ago. But... When you leak, dude, what a fucking good filmmaker. God yes. damn. And it's weird because normally when you see the son of blank doing a movie, yeah, the yeah. last thing you want to see him do is like, oh, uh, yeah, George Romero's kids doing a zombie movie. It's like, oh, great. I'm already <laughs> rolling my eyes. Oliver Stone's kid. Yet, dude, Cronenberg, man, he fucking not only tackles the body horror genre, but it feels unique. It does. It was intense. <laughs> uh, what else? Um so, so you're you're a genre guy. Yeah, but you know, I, I love Paul Thomas Anderson. I love Ingmar Bergman, um, but I do love genre. I like Eyes Without a Face a lot. Of course, The Shining and The Exorcist. The Exorcist still scares me. That 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 scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. Um, I do like, you know, I'm guilty of liking the A24 horrors, which I don't think is a bad thing. But I love. <laughs> don't let don't let Russ guilt you into that, man. I love Green Room. I love The Witch. You know, Hereditary is very monumental. I think uh, I, I love. I also love a lot of the 
Raw is intense. Oh man, Good Night Mommy. Love Raw. Oh, oh, another vampire film. A girl walks home alone at night. Mm-hmm. That's very influential to me too. Now, now you said you like Good Night Mommy. Did you watch uh, the, Lodge? the Lodge? Yeah, I saw it at Sundance. It was a. Uh, it's great to to watch in a theater. Okay, so you liked it. I did like it. All right, it's me and you. <laughs> Everybody else <laughs> fucking hates that movie. Yeah. I you know I like Goodnight Mommy more, but I still enjoyed The Lodge. Now, okay, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and spoil Goodnight Mommy. So if you're listening to this and you haven't watched it, I don't know, fuck off. Um <laughs> d- did you see the twin thing coming from like minute 1? No, because I saw the trailer so many times that that was like embedded in me that that was going to be the story, like the fact that it was just about the mom lying, so I was just deceived. And now when everyone tells me that they saw it coming, and I just feel like an idiot. But <laughs> no, You know what? I Okay, so we saw it at, what, the Embarcadero. Were you there, Clark? You were, right? No, I saw it separately. Okay. And um, me and Oksana, we watched it, and I came out, and I went, man, I fucking hated that movie. And I was like, dude, the fucking, come on, man. Like, from minute one, I knew. And I, I don't do that. I try to live in the moment. I don't try to predict endings. I think it's counterproductive, and you only, like, it, who does that serve, right? Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. And Oksana was like, I didn't see it coming, and I really liked it. Then, uh, flash forward to a... Is that a thing? Flash forward? Sure. Okay. (laughs) And, you know, months later, and we're reviewing it for the Overlook site, which is, you know, we invite people over and we need a minimum of five people and we screen it, no interruptions, and then we talk about it, whatever. And my God, knowing that it was coming up, I absolutely love the fucking film. I was so (laughs) into it, time two. Oksana hated it. The second watch, she hated it. And uh, somebody in the room uh, got up, walked out during the torture scene saying oh it's so boring it's so boring and they they went into my room closed the door came back out and said i don't know why you would show your friends this movie and i went dude i'm sorry i didn't know you'd be so adverse to the torture and he was like no it's just boring and i'm like oh you're dealing with something right now (laughs) (laughs) but all right so johnny here's what i want to know uh is who's older you or your brother my brother okay was um so did a lot of your taste did that come from him because I, I i've always found it's important like with with film and also with music that you need someone to kind of guide you you need sort of a sherpa to the mountain and like i've had friends in my life who were uh, older than me and they and they showed me you know they introduced you know lynch to me and i was like what is a racer head and like they 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 welcomed me into this wild world and so like with your was your brother that way to you and sort of you know, your film and your love of film came from him or you just kind of grown together in that i think we grew together in a way me my parents would always take us to the movies like that's all, that's all we did and i remember the first movie my brother and i went to watch alone my parents dropped us off yeah we saw the flight of the phoenix <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah we kind of found all these all tours and found like we kind of developed this love for cinema together it wasn't like he had all these uh influences already and he was mm-hmm. teaching me i feel like we there there was some of that but we just learned together i think we've we've started on this journey we actually fun fact we were gonna switch positions for every short that we made he was gonna shoot it and I was going to direct, and then we were going to flip for the next one just to give each other 
the space to direct, like for each one of us to direct. Yeah. But it was a really out of necessity that one of us had to be the DP. But then we kind of both just fell in love with the things that we were doing. So it just kind of, it was by chance, but we discovered it together, I would say. Are, are your shorts available anywhere? Yeah, they're on they're on my website. I could send you a link. Uh, it's my name, Jonathan com, and you can see my shorts there and some music videos and stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm dying to watch them. Um, I don't know how you walked away from our review, but I, we all agreed that you're you're definitely a name that we want to follow. Yeah, I mean. I do want to continue in this thread. I, I like where I'm at in the horror world where it's kind of, it call it kind of falls between drama and horror mm-hmm. kind of exploring these slower character driven horror stories. But I'll tell you this, I do want to make it scarier. I do want it to be more supernatural and I want to pick up the pace a little bit. So I think you Ooh, don't, don't blame us for that. Cause I think, <laughs> I think you nail, you, you made a good film. And Thank you. I'd hate to see a bunch of CG in your next work. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, I think it, you know, it'll still be deliberately paced, yeah. but I do want to frighten the audience more. And that's a very, that's a personal thing that I want to do. It's, it's, and it, you know, it's, it's validated by some of the reviews that we've gotten and it, it makes me, it pushes me to, to do it even more, you know? Well, th- yeah, that that re- brings up my next question is like, what's been the reception with the horror community specifically? Because, you know, uh, Russell, take it easy, what I'm about to say, but uh, the <laughs> horror community is a very fickle group. Oh, yeah. Uneducated, yeah. ugly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so, it's so fun because we're operating on two different wavelengths. We have, we're playing all these genre festivals, but at the same time, we're playing these festivals that are you know just uh more broad like they accept all kinds of of genres um the horror festivals they kind of vary a lot of people have have reacted in a more emotional way they say oh i was so moved i was touched and uh they're talking a lot about the metaphor of codependency which which is what i went into it with that was kind of the ideas that i went into it with so i'm happy that that's been the reaction and some i had a before this whole corona mess we had test screenings and we did one in austin and the two there were two girls in front of me in the theater and they were covering their eyes the entire time which also gave me it made me feel good you know because for me the movie's not scary i'll be honest it's for me it's not scary and i was surprised that they were shocked with it but it's an interesting mix of reactions. It's not, it's not scary, but what it is is emotionally taxing, for sure. And yeah. I, that, that brings its own set of horror because, you know, you're dealing with a, a, a family dynamic and a, a very uh, troubling situation. And I think that, yes, in, in this particular scenario, you're dealing with... Uh, one of the siblings is a vampire. Now, in the world we occupy, that does not exist. However, it it, it can tap into real life situations where you you do have a sibling that you have to take care of, and times are tough, and you're trying to scrape and claw and, and provide. So, uh, there's certainly real life scenarios in this story that uh, people can grasp onto, and that you, you if you're living that trouble, like with Patrick Fugit's character, my God, I I I could not. Mm. 
the amount of turmoil that he's had to go through and the things that he was asked to do to sacrifice for that that family is just yeah. i mean yeah man it's it's rough yeah and uh yeah i mean there it's very it's a very heavy film and i think we we i would throw this term around of emotional violence and kind of it's more we didn't really show too much of the gore but it kind of feels like it's heavier than it is just because the relationships that are being fractured that make it more intense you know it's an an emotional ride now can can i call you out if you if yes. it's about what I'm about to think it is, then yes, because okay. I was about to bring it up. Okay, if now, I think no, because I'm I'm just thinking of um, our experience watching the film, and I realize now that I everything you're saying I completely bought into, and I even have like you know my own personal experiences with like codependency and kind yeah. of like <laughs> well no I mean it's more like when are you not helping yes. somebody anymore. Like when 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 have you crossed the line into like now this is harmful and all that stuff really read to me, the things I wanted though, I wanted, I wanted a a little bit more explanation or ex- exploration of the yeah. horror thing. Like I'm like, I wanted to know if they ever went to a hospital and tried to figure out what's going on, or if they had ever like Googled it and like are there other people out there like this or. <laughs> I mean, because you tackle a lot of the vampire tropes, and not all of them are a dead end. And it's so interesting to me that I'm like, give me more. Like, like, what was their struggle with this? Like, and now you're talking about the emotional weight. And while we were rewatching this movie, there's a lot of uh, subtle moments in this film that portray a lot of heavy story arcs uh, related to emotional violence. And Clark is like, wait, that happened? this happened and i'm like dude what the fuck like i don't i don't want to call you out well, I, I missed one whole thing because i was like i think i had to pee there that time the first time well you do that dude oh dude jonathan i jo- i will tell you do not blame me because i stay hydrated thank you jonathan, very much i don't know if you and your brothers watch movies together but uh me Oxon, and clark we end up watching a lot of films together and yes. um there could be like the most fucking boring nothing movie. And I hate, I will watch a movie all the way through. I have to. Otherwise I feel like I left something on the table and I got to come back to it. And we'll sit there and a movie will just be so dry and like awful. And then Clark will get up in the middle to go cook dinner or something, <laughs> which drives me crazy. But the movie always picks up. It's, it's yeah. a thing. It's like, dude. And every time you leave the room, I'm like, dude, come back. And you're just like, oh, do I have to? Russell, I I'm going gonna, gonna to break it right now. This is breaking news. Okay. I do that for you. Okay, good. Well, you Because I, I, <laughs> I know I have this special power. So I'm just saying, you know, I, I, if I were being mean, I'd say you were on your phone. But I do think you probably left. Because you do it in the fucking theater, too. I'm, I, I stay hydrated. I have to drink over 100 <laughs> ounces of water it every happens, day. It happens. Thank you, John. But if now, if your movie were released, I would, I would tell you the moments that Clark was like, wait, what? <laughs> it's fucking like, what were you doing? All right. So, so we'll go into my biggest complaint, Johnny. We'll, we'll go into that. And I want to know, like, did you do research? I want to know if I'm wrong. <laughs> Frank, I, don't like- I, want, I want to know if I'm wrong. Uh, the I just felt like the amount of blood that oh, was being extracted God. from the bodies. We have more blood than that, right? You, you were scaring me there. Like, <laughs> well, here's the thing. Okay, the I did do research about 
<laughs> I went through some weird rabbit holes on Google. <laughs> oh, I bet. Um, but I did re I did actually did like factual research on how much blood a body should have, and of each, I did it based on weight and age, and then I bought a specific bucket so that that bucket that was used, um, it holds more. It has more capacity than what a human body holds as far as blood. So it wouldn't even fill that entire bucket. Wow. I, um, I, also, I, I get what you're saying. You know, it's a movie I think I should have shown maybe a bit more extracted. But I think we also cut away from these things. Like we, the first time she slits the homeless man's throat, uh, we, I chose to, to show Dwight's face, you know, again, with the, with the anguish and, and the way he's affected by it. And then we, we just cut straight into her opening the little spigot on that funny bucket where she's just like pouring a bowl of blood. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I did, I did do a lot of math stuff, but I get your point. But, but uh, 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 upon second <laughs> viewing today, I, it, it makes more sense to me now because it makes it, it makes it even worse because the body count is so high and the result and the yield should be much higher yes. than the sacrifice. So that makes it much more depressing and basic and, and much more interesting thematically. I, I was positive that he had done research on it. Just oh, from for so, sure. There's so many gore movies that um that this is not one. But like uh we talked to Stephen Byro over at Unearthed. And motherfuckers like that, they know how much intestine we have in our body, yes. the color of the blood. I mean, Tom Savini actually shot like real death. You know what I mean? Like was a war jo journalist. Yeah. So we have, we have, well, we have to have a lot of intestines. Think about it. If our intestines weren't as long oh. as they were, <laughs> then our breath would stink all the time. <laughs> Is that a bit you used on stage? No, that so was a, that was so a B side. The, the average adult has... One to one point two to one point five gallons. That's it. It's not that. That's I, it. I feel like it would be more. I know. So if but you're if if you're heavier, do you have more? Yeah, I think that's like maybe heavier. You have one point five, and then in between, if you're <sighs> if you're smaller. But that that bucket was like I believe it was like three three gallons. Oh shit! <laughs> so it's you know I I thought I think it's an interesting point that the whole blood thing because there was another podcast I heard from uh Sejus and the she mentioned that it was sad because he was getting blood they were getting him blood but only the amount of blood that he needed because he was still very sick it wasn't like he was ready to go outside and run or he was very active he was always lethargic and he was always fatigued so I thought she brought up an interesting point that they were getting blood for him, but just enough for him to live, not enough for him to actually feel good or healthy. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I had just assumed that that's not even on the table. I just thought, you know, like there's some um, deformity in here in right. your internally and like maybe you're not even meant to be alive. Like maybe your whole life is just going to be this sure. uphill struggle, man. Watching yeah. an energetic Tim Lincecum would have been a very different movie. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> would have been an interesting choice for casting, dude. I do like the idea of having too big of a bucket because then you're kind of perpetually living with the glass half empty. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that is cool. That's okay, true. Now, that's true. Now, Jonathan, I would be a. Uh, it'd be unfair. Now you heard our podcast, and we we've critiqued your art. Go ahead, give us all the the harsh criticisms you've been waiting. Now's your moment to get revenge. Look, to be honest, when I first heard it, I I I was like, oh, a podcast. It was the first podcast that we heard from our movie. So I'm like, yeah, they're gonna. <laughs> it's gonna be great. And then slow, oh, I and apologize. Slow, you're like. You're like, my heart can't until, and you're like, first of all, or someone said this, that that title could go fuck itself. And that I'm was like, me. Oh, shit. That was me. And I'm like, all right, this is going to go south from here. But then I, I felt a little upset, but then I heard it again. It's kind of crazy when you, it's kind of like you're rewatching the movie. You have a new appreciation for it. I heard the podcast again and I'm like, hey, this isn't really that bad. And then I, I, that's what, why I wanted to reach out. You know, I think it's, it's okay that you don't love the movie and, and I still think it's worth having a conversation about. And look, as soon as, um, you know, we heard that, the, uh, this dialogue had started, uh, we were like, of course we want to have you on the show. Cause again, we, we liked the movie. This is yeah. Madeline's fault. <laughs> <laughs> she had a gun. Jonathan, she had a gun, and she's like, "If you don't say mean things, she's I'm very sure. persuasive, you know." So, I'll give a I'll give a shout out to the one person who said, "I don't know who it was, but it was almost at the end." They're like, "I do want to say that that uh, there was some interesting details." He's like, "I know that it sounds like we're just trashing the movie, but I want to say that it's that it was also a good movie." So I appreciate yeah, that. That was definitely me. And that was me. That was me. You're an idiot. Go ahead. Audience, if you care, go Look back and up. listen. <laughs> yeah. No, and again, I think we were being highly harsh, or I mean, harsher than normal, only because we know our audience. And I think the A24 crowd would be like, there's not enough meat on the bone. And I think a lot of the genre hacks, who I uh, count myself among, would be like, oh, this is too, uh, I'm, I'm too smart for the room. Like, it's sure. a little like in between there. I don't know. I think you've got a career ahead of you. I think all the performances were great. I thought the movie looked fucking beautiful. And again, it opens with, uh, you know, I'm not going to suck your dick. <laughs> I, yes, that that was our producer who played that role. <laughs> oh, <laughs> really? Really? <laughs> I was no. It was another producer, Anthony, and I was a bit, I was ambivalent about that line. I'm like, should I start with that line? Is it too intense? And he's like, dude, just fucking do the line. Like, what are you talking about? I don't know. You've got such a heavy film opening up with that, like kind of let me laugh. Yeah. And you know, which isn't going to happen too much (laughs) as we go on. So when, when we sent the script to Patrick, actually Patrick's like childhood friends with our producer, Kenny Patrick's also from Salt Lake. Super, super cool guy. He was joking the entire time. So the movie doesn't, when we were on set, it doesn't feel nearly a quarter as heavy as the actual experience of watching it is. But anyway, he didn't know what the film was about. Kenny just sent him the script. And so that whole dialogue, he thought it was some weird sex thing, you know, because he's (laughs) like, where is this going? Like what the what is it's this sad movie about this guy who's like picking up a homeless guy, maybe he's gonna help him. I don't know what's going on, and then he hits him in the head with a bat and drains his blood, and he was like, <laughs> "What the fuck is happening?" Now wait, I got one more question. I know, I know, you're looking at the time, Clark. No, it's fine. Um, can we talk about the? Uh, oh 
man. Can we talk about the 10 burritos? <laughs> I don't know why. This this has kind of permeated our life, and we always talk about buying 10 breakfast burritos now. <laughs> um, you know, I do... I do think it's important to try and inject some sort of humor. And I think that that Dwight, the way that Dwight is so jaded, he's like, look, if I keep, I don't really want to do this. And if I have to go through nine different people to get one home, I know that I have enough burritos to lure them in. (laughs) I'll tell you right Um, now, he could have lured me. Yeah, me and Clark were like, dude, breakfast burritos would get me. (laughs) The place was good, too. (laughs) <laughs> what was the place? It was uh, that dry. I forgot the name of it, but it's in the special thing, so you can look in the credits. <laughs> so so how does that, you were just like, hey, can we film this little scene in your drive-thru? And they were like, yeah, no problem. That's how it worked. The The restaurant, the, the owner was just like, yeah, we're, we're in, we're remodeling. You can just use it for free. The thrift store was free. Like everyone in Utah is so cool oh, about that's great. letting us use their locations. It, that, was, it was great. That's crazy. I thought Utah would have been kind of like adverse to a, uh, you know, emotional drama about maybe vampires. Yeah, I mean, there's that too, because there's a big Mormon community. I don't know if you knew that, but <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, uh, a lot of the thrift stores are actually owned by the church. And so we went in there and they're like, what, what is this about? And we're like, yeah, it's a, it's, we tried to sell it less. Like it's a story about a family's sacrifices. And they're like, no, it's too heavy for us. You know, so we were kind of, that was the, the challenge. But aside from that, everyone is just so cool about letting us use their spaces. The thrift store, the, the owner let us use all his stuff. Like a lot of the stuff were his props. Oh wow! Oh man! Now I know I know a lot of um, you listening right now. You listen to these interviews all the way through, having not seen the film, and I commend you for it. This is kind of a light spoiler, but now that we're talking about Utah and religion, I'm super interested in the um, impact or lack thereof of religion on your film. Was that something you had thought about a lot, or did Utah play a part in that? Um. I just felt like these characters, especially Jesse, who's kind of the, she's the matriarch. She was just nihilistic. She didn't really have any, like her worldview was just limited to that house and this whole web of lies that she was constructing. And that was just, you know, the religion was let's celebrate Christmas once a month. Let's play this weird piano game. Let's homeschool each other at home. And, and it was just this whole, this whole microcosm that she had invented that she was just trying to hold up like this weird fabrication of it almost became like their own religion. And I just didn't think there was any room for any other faith besides that. Yeah. It it's an interesting thing. It's, it's kind of like the religion of modern rituals. Like, yes. like time is flat, but you know, every now and then in the season we'll do this thing, but it's kind of like, there's no theocratical the, theocracy. What, what is the word I'm mm-hmm. looking for? There's no religious, actual religious impact. Dogma. And, you know, if, if somebody were to have raised a cross at some point and, and burned uh, Tim Lincecum, I, I, <laughs> I feel like although that would have been tragic, it would have been hopeful also because it would have kind of denoted that there's like an afterlife and maybe mm. a higher power and just the complete lack of it just really 
it it oh man it made it so much more bleak i thought actually you know what are you a fan of dog tooth because now that i'm thinking about it there's a I was similar about to mention it okay yeah <laughs> there's a similar kind of oh rich... i'm gonna tell you right now i in terms of just the photography i very much felt uh lanthimos because we've got a, a i i don't know i just like um like i i i think about that scene in in the in the in the diner i just love how that looked mm-hmm that's mm. it. You know, it's it's interesting because I didn't mention that as my influences when you were asking, but I love the way that he frames his movies. Yeah. And I love the these false realities that he creates. You know, even even in The Lobster, which is funnier, it's still about this whole web of lies and it's about this society that's slightly heightened, mm-hmm. but it still feels like it could be real. And I kind of wanted to play with that set of rituals and that that was very interesting to me it was to to create a a a different kind of mythology aside from the whole archetypal vampire was to create this society that they created and they upheld to kind of make thomas live in this house and feel like he was happy yeah you know i i if lanthimos would have made this film i think it would have been a little too hopeful I think he's always got that like surrealist twist that like it, it's yes. he's got like a little bit of Wes Anderson in him. Hopeful? Which I, what hopeful Yorgos Lanthimos <laughs> movie are you watching? You know, I watched The Lobster and I'm kind of like, ah, this is a pretty vibrant kind of cartoony world. Like maybe people suck, but there's there's a lot of like hope out there. I don't know. It never mm. feels that bleak. I, I think Wes Anderson, like a hint of Wes Anderson in there is correct. Well, it is, you know, the hotel is very similar in The Lobster, but I also think it's he he just injects it with this super monotone humor. It's almost like all the characters are robots. And so you could kind of laugh it off. It's it's very heavy themes and subjects, but you could almost laugh it off because everyone in there is so robotic. But it kind of speaks to those themes in an interesting way. A hundred percent. You're totally right. And I think that's how I live my life. (laughs) <laughs> or like something terrible will happen. I'll be like, of course this just fucking, yes. and I laugh. All right. Most <laughs> Russ, <laughs> Russ, watch Killing of a Sacred Deer and tell me that's a hoot. I have, and there's a lot of humor in it. I'm not saying it, that there's not know, humor. I laughed a lot, maybe more than I should have. I feel like. <laughs> oh, no, guys, I, I'm not saying that there's not humor in there, but like the you were talking about endings being not bleak, and he has very oh, bleak endings, Russell. That one's that one's pretty harsh. Yeah. <laughs> Super rough. You know what I remember of Killing of a Sacred Deer? What? I remember the uh, abandoned party room in the basement, which yeah. I thought was a beautiful, empty frame. Yeah. I, thought I could look at that all day. Yeah. I remember uh, playing uh, Russian roulette with the family. <laughs> oh, <my laughs> God. Uh, intense. Intense. But I, the Had thing... Haneke vibes there. Funny oh, hun- oh, yeah. Talk about a humorless motherfucker. <laughs> talk, talk about a guy whose goal is to make you angry that you watched his movie. Yes. Dude, how, how, Funny Games is literally oh, a film. God. Or if yeah. I saw that on a plane, and I'm like, why are oh. they showing this on a plane? <laughs> no. Well, I mean, right? Clark loves to watch movies on a plane. Oh, man. And you always talk about how when you're up in the altitude, you, you tend to enjoy stuff I'm going to tell you, but movies are better on planes. It's just a fact. And... Didn't work for funny games. <laughs> I mean, it was just it was part of the the selection on the airplane. It wasn't mine, and I just thought I was taken aback. I'm like, why? How is this in the selection? It's usually like 
uh, you know, like Up or yeah. Home Alone or something. I tell you, I, I watched Sicario on a plane, oh. and I had a four-year-old next to me. <laughs> that was uh, that was rough. Dude, no. When you when you play funny games, the stewardess will walk down and uh, she'll she'll give you a little intro. I'm sure that's what they did. Um, yes. No, but the, the killing of sacred deer. The thing I remember is that song by the tree. Oh yeah. And yes. I, I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of hope and humor and. I told you this is. I love one of my favorite. We, when we did our countdown episode, it was on my top uh, five of the last. Uh, I mean, decade. also we 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 have a podcast called The Overlook Hour, based on a website blog called The Overlook Theater. I deal with a lot of shining stuff. And I always mm. thought that Yorgos was kind of like mocking the film. I don't know. He did a lot of that like vanishing yes. point perspective down hallways. And it was kind For of sure. a hyper drama about a family falling apart. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I you, you definitely get those connections. And the, the dad kind of losing his shit throughout. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Unlike Jack Nicholson, he mm. doesn't show up crazy. The obsession of the watch. Yeah. The watch shows. Yes. Great. Uh, so Johnny, to to close here, so w- what's the journey of the film right now? Like, wh- what's the plan with the festival circuit? Are you still shopping around? When, when can when can the masses see this? So we're still doing festivals now, um, but we're getting you. We have U.S. distribution with Dark Sky Films, and oh. we're going to oh, be fantastic. releasing the film next year. Oh, congratulations, man! Thank you. Yeah, and I, I I can't tell you exactly when, but it'll be. Before April, I would say. So it should be coming virtual theatrical VOD. Hopefully, fingers crossed, some form of theatrical. I have not seen this in a theater in its finished form, and that pains me. But, yeah, hopefully we'll we'll be seeing it in a theater next year. Perfect. When it comes out, you you got to come back on. We got to hang out and yes. talk about your ghost or something. Let's I, do it. I mean... Again, if there's anything mean you want to say about our show, please get it out now. <laughs> we're take, mean. We're mean to us every your, week. If you yeah. if you would have shown up and just said, "Hey, fuck y'all," and hung up, I'd have been like, "Fair, completely fair, <laughs> completely that fair." Been funny, but no. <laughs> maybe no, we'll, we'll, you know, I appreciate I appreciate you taking the time to 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 talk to me, and it's nice, you know. I I think any I it hurts this whole situation, you know. I felt like. We were going to play at this festival, and we were going to get a lot of press, and now it's kind of, I'm just reaching out, and I, I think it's good to make connections. Oh, man. Absolutely. Also, fuck, don't thank us for being on here. We Our time means nothing. <laughs> thank you for pulling out. I'm sure you're editing something. What, what are you working on right now? I'm sure you're working on something. I'm working on some tabletop videos for Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What? It's fun. What does that it's mean? Fun. So I actually I've been directing videos of like have you ever seen tasty videos? No, tasty. I'm writing that down right now though. So it's just videos of the the cameras like pointing at a table and and someone's making a recipe like oh. something like okay let's make meatloaf and then oh yeah I watch those all the process. time. That's Clark's life. Yeah, it's it's just that and it's it's fun to shoot. It's fun to edit. And it kind of, you know, it beats editing some other stuff. Sometimes I edit, like, sometimes I edit corporate stuff. And that stuff can get a little tedious, so it's fun to step away from that. 
those man, those videos are like <laughs> they're so addictive because like I, I'm just scrolling on Instagram or Facebook and I'll always stop because I was like, oh, look at these brownie cookie cups. They are. They're addicting. Yeah. Well, okay. Follow Jonathan on Instagram and <laughs> stay up to date with this tabletop. You said tabletop. I thought he was talking D. &D. I know. I know. I, I'm. I'm. I'm <laughs> glad that we cleared that up. <laughs> Wait. No, but besides that, I'm. I'm also writing my next script. So, hopefully, you know, I. I. I want to make something next year, but if not, 2022. A beautiful. Um. And yeah, I already think we're we're already shitting on 2021. I know. Just, <laughs> yeah. It's like we need another year to recover. Wait now, and your brother does music. Is is he in a band or any projects you can plug for him? Um, he used to be. I mean, it's all like hardcore stuff. It's it's a. Uh, oh my god! We, now, we, if you <laughs> if you go back and listen to our show, uh, we our third chair who um is busy with his children. Screw him. Uh, was in a hardcore band called Alcatraz out here. So mm. also our engineers used to be in a fucking hardcore band. So yeah, please plug it. Yeah, I mean I don't even know the link right now, but <laughs> <laughs> they don't. They only played like two, two or three shows, like two thousand. I want to say like two thousand fifteen or even before that. So it's been a while. My brother's, you know, my brother's focused on cinematography and he's he's shooting commercials and stuff so yeah all right well you got to get some cinematography in that pit to see people doing <laughs> circle <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah circle pit with a steady cam or something <laughs> well uh johnny man thanks again for coming on uh you you've got fans for life with us over here man uh both uh, the 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 collaboration uh with you and your brother it's uh, it's a great thing you guys got going uh we're we're there with you with whatever you got uh in the future man i appreciate that and also shout out to my dad who was the production designer oh what real you, man you can't is, great yeah. you can't bury that clark loves a dad helping out yeah because mine didn't <laughs> <laughs> it's only funny because it's true yeah because he left uh, <laughs> Johnny, thanks again, man. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate it, guys.